You're listening to Watching Friends on the HyperX Podcast Network. Welcome back to Watching Friends. I'm Ryan. I'm not a freak. I'm a guy. And I'm Mark. I'm going to be a crazy snake man. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, we're back with season two, episode three of Friends, and it's quite a somber one. The one where Heckles dies. Yeah, uh, a character we don't really see a lot of. I feel like they could have got a little bit more out of him. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I kind of feel like he was written in as potentially a bigger part that they realised actually this joke is either going to grow old or just isn't needed because the the, the show starts now changing from having all these like weird cast of extra characters that they all meet and hang out with and stuff to the, the group basically just hanging out with themselves. Yeah, it's almost like we, we trade all of the, the extra weird characters just for more Gunther. Like, Gunther's not really been around. No. Um, do we even know he's called Gunther yet? No. We, we, uh, Gunther's not said a word yet. We, we see a lot of him um, in the background thinking... Uh, this episode or the next episode, I forget. I've, I've been watching, like, I've been catching up on, like, uh, some of the episodes again because I write some of our scripts ahead of time and then I have to go back to remind myself, like, before we record what, what it is. Yeah, that's why I'm only the night before. So it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. all fresh in my head. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we, we see a lot more of him. But, yeah, we, we lose, like, all of, like, Chandler's, like, friends at work and all Monica's friends and, and Mr. Heckles in this. So I, I do wonder, and... I also wonder if maybe Seinfeld had an effect. Just because Mr. Heckles comes across as like, oh, he's the, the weird kooky neighbour. And Seinfeld kind of did that a lot better. Oh, okay, fair, I suppose. I've never watched Seinfeld. I've seen like the odd episode and it was just, it never grabbed me. It's on Netflix now. I just don't think I don't like, I just don't like Jerry Seinfeld. I don't think there's just about him. About Jerry Seinfeld. As yeah. a performer that I'm just like... So I thought this. So I'm currently on season two of Seinfeld trying to watch it all to understand why it's so loved. Yeah. And we don't know who Jerry Seinfeld is in the UK. Like, I assume he was on Saturday Night Live or something like that. I've seen some of his stand-up routines. So I, I know him as a stand-up comedian more than a sitcom actor. Um, but I feel, I feel like in America he was very well known and very well liked for his humour he releases a TV show, people absolutely love it because it's funny and it has more of him in. Whereas to me, he's a, someone I don't know who has a TV show. Yeah, I mean, he seems a bit of a tool, to be honest. So there's a lot of things about him where people say like he's quite up himself. There's the whole situation uh, with his relationships uh, because he marries someone a lot, lot, lot younger than himself. I didn't know this. Uh, which... I don't think calls an outrage at the time because I, I, I think they're, they're both consenting adults. Like I, f- I feel like uh, he was in his 40s and she was like closer to 18 sort of thing. I don't know the full details. Go, go and look up. There, there's Google out there to do that. But there, there's, there's all these sorts of little things about him. But, but for me, I only know Seinfeld, the TV show. And as I've started watching it, I don't find it that funny. It's all right. And I feel like it's either you had to be there at the time or you had to maybe be just American and, and have that kind of stuff surrounding it yeah. to understand it a bit better. And I mean, the only clips I've seen of him really are there's the interview, I think it's Larry King, where Larry King assumes or implies that the show was cancelled. 
yeah. when Steinfeld, Seinfeld, not Steinfeld, that's Haley Steinfeld, <laughs> that's where my brain is, um, he basically stopped the show. He stopped making the show while they were on top, essentially. And it's this giant rant about, like, don't you know who I am? Don't you do your research? It's like giant rant about he went out on top. He wasn't cancelled. Yeah. Um, which was just really, really egotistical. And then there's a clip where he's at some award show and the singer Kesha asks for a hug and he won't hug her. And then she asks, you know, pretty please. And he's like, no. And then she runs up, I don't even know who that is. And I'm just like, why wouldn't you hug the girl? So you came yeah. over and have a hug. Clearly she knows who you are. And be like, yeah, sure. Hi, who are you? Nice to meet you. Yeah. It's two seconds of your life. Yeah. And she's behind the red carpet. So it's not like she's a random fan that's left a barrier. Like, you know, she's clearly <laughs> meant to be there. And it just it just comes across as like a distant dwell. I watched um, a YouTube video the other day. It was like an hour long show that was Ricky Gervais, Seinfeld, Louis C.K. and Chris Rock. That's that's an interesting combination. <laughs> yeah. all, all just chatting about comedy basically. Um and it was very, very interesting. And he just came across Oh, he came across a little better than that, to be honest. But he still came across like, I'm the most important comic of American history. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, Richard Pryor's better. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe some of our American listeners can write into us at contact at watch, watchingfriends.com. Yeah, watchfriendspod. Yep. Uh, and uh, tell us more about Seinfeld, because like I say, I, I don't really know much about him. Yeah. Um, how, do, how do we get onto this topic? <laughs> I don't know. We're actually here to talk about the episode. Uh, which opens on the gang playing cards. And this seems like a really nice thing to me, Mark. Um, like, if we had a card night, it'd be something more dynamic, like Unstable Unicorns, or a more interesting game than just the traditional boring ones. And you still haven't taught me how to play poker. No, we need to have a poker night, don't we? You said you were going to teach me when we did the one for the poker, and I still have no clue how to play poker. You know what? Let's let's put it on the, on the Patreon list of thing, things we're going to do. We should record ourselves learning poker... And having a game. No, we're not playing for real money. Because then it would just be told, <laughs> Mark hustles Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I, as I told you, beginner's luck, right? I think you'd, you would win. I don't know. I prefer so, Final, can we play Final Fantasy TGG afterwards so I can make some money back? <laughs> yeah, okay. EX first. That's a fiver. <laughs> I used my trap card. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't play the game. Uh, so, but yeah, you're right. It's a very nice thing. Like, what did you do in the night? You you had mouse trap that game that never ever worked. Took forever to set up. Uh, I forget what's Spel- hungry hippos. That was good. Hungry hippos. You had the. It's not called Spelunky, but it, it had like Ka-plunk. a Kaplunk. That's it. There we go. Uh, and then yeah, then you would have like you know Uno and just general card games. Whereas now it's like I've got unstable unicorns and I'm going to use my Nay card and I've got the burning kittens game and all sorts of like fun stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, very nineties. I was a bit of Cluedo. That was my my go to game as a kid. Okay. Um, I famously flipped the table during a family game of Monopoly. Well, I wasn't allowed to be the banker because apparently I used to cheat. Oh, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I took games very seriously. I'm a nerd. I took games very seriously. I did not cheat. And then someone knocked the door once while we were playing Monopoly. And I went to the door to see who it was and came back. And through the crack in the kitchen door, saw my nan, mum and sister stealing money from the bank. And I'd been like told I couldn't be back. And I was like, you hypocrites. And just got angry and just flipped the board off the kitchen table. <laughs> and hotels and houses went everywhere. <laughs> I, c- I could imagine you coming back and going... Hang on, that's a, a four-foot-tall pile of money you didn't have before. <laughs> I, was, I was livid, and my family have not played Monopoly together since. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Monopoly is the game for getting angry at family What's over weird Christmas with. It's the woman who created the game encourages people to cheat. She says you're supposed to cheat. Oh. It's about making money at any cost and being ruthless. It's supposed to be like a, a satire, a satirical take on capitalism. 
and she encourages you to cheat. Oh, is that why people make up their own rules of like, oh, well, you know, if uh, they didn't want to buy it, then anyone else can buy it in auction? No, I hate that crap. Yeah. You get to buy it when you land on it. Yep. What the rule? See, I, just, I, don't want it. I want the rules. Give me the rules and we'll stick to them and we'll play the game for 17 hours and, and someone wins. And if you land on free parking, you get all the money that's in the centre. Yeah. Oh, they're all made up rules that I think I think even now they do put in Monopoly saying like, don't change the rules. It makes the game worse. This is why you don't like Monopoly. Yeah, it just takes too long. Yeah. Remember when they they got rid of the real the real money, the paper money, and you got like a little digital credit card to stick into a thing. And yeah. I was like, no, that stops people cheating, which I don't think I hate, but it's still stupid. Yeah, you know, you need the money. And plus, you want to hold the money and go, look at all the money I've got, or yeah. don't have. Oh, it's so warm in here. <laughs> I found myself with lots and lots of yellow five-pound bills. But still, anyway, back to friends. They're playing poker, um, and Chandler interrupts what I'm going to call boring traditional game card night to announce that he's broken up with Joan. Some mystery woman, but like, you, you know, Chandler seems to be getting the dates. Yeah, he's the other one. He breaks up with a lot of women because he never gets women. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, if you got as many women as he did, like, you'd be doing all right, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I suppose he's, he's looking for love, and that's not what he's finding. No. He's finding Joan and her giant nostrils. Well, yeah, he's, he's not finding love because he's too analytical over their appearances, which I guess is fair, like, in some ways. Like, we all want the stunning supermodel as our partner, right? But even then, if you look at someone long enough, yes. you'll, you'll naturally pick them apart. doesn't matter how, like, attractive they are. You'll be like, actually, that one nostril is at a different height to the other mm. one, or that eyebrow grows weird, or whatever. <laughs> like, you... As you stare at me saying all this. <laughs> But you will, you'll just, you'll just spot something. Well, here's one for the listeners. Uh, if you look at some old videos or photos of Tom Cruise, you'll notice uh, in his teeth, he has a tooth right in the middle. So he doesn't have two coming down, as you'd expect, one on the left and one on the right in the middle. He has just one directly in the middle. Go and have a look. Like, and then and then you won't stop thinking about it ever, ever again. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Tom Cruise is considered a very attractive yes. man. Um, he did change it and get it fixed. But, you know, so if you stare at someone long enough and pick them apart, which A, is a very, very shallow thing to do, yeah. but you will notice things. Like, you'll do it to yourself. Like, how many people look in the mirror and go, ugh, when did I notice this? Or I didn't notice this before. Well, I've, I've always thought about this. Like, if I could design, like, my, my perfect woman, I don't think it would exist because I'd always want changes but like, oh well i kind of like the blonde hair but also like the redhead would be great as well and what about pink hair and oh no there's too many choices now and i can't design the perfect one well it's, it's gonna sound weird <laughs> but i've never dated someone and thought i'd change physically like if you were like ryan you can change this, some aspect of who this person is as a person or physically change them i probably would have picked the not physical aspect nine times out of ten I think that's fair. Like, uh, looks are, are great to start with, but it's the personality that matters. Well, yeah, like, you, you may wake up next to the person, but once you've woken up next to them and seen them, you have to spend the day with them. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, she could be stunning, but if she's boring or has no personality or has a really annoying habit, try, I'm not going to pick any out. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? Like, I've, I mean, I've been on dates with people where I've been like, oh my God, this person's like stunning and amazing. And you get there, and you're like, oh my god, this is so boring. Is she as bored as I am? I hope so, because then we can both leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just dull sometimes. Yeah, and, well, well, that's why you see very attractive people with other very attractive people, because they can both be bored together. No, personality all the way. Which people always say, oh, it's such a cliche thing. Obviously, you need to be attracted to the person. Yeah. But at the same time, 
that's what you'll miss. And also, if you could have someone who's attractive and with a great personality, you're not going to turn that down, are you? <laughs> like, no, no, only ugly people for me. I just want personality. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so they all give in Chandler grief about why he broke up with Joan for a huge nostrils. And apparently, he does this a lot. He dumps women for random reasons. But Joey, being the bro that he is, jumps to Chandler's defence and says that he once broke up with a woman when he first moved to the city that he dated because she had a huge what? Adam's apple. Which is interesting. It's interesting for many reasons. It is. And the, the gang have a little chat about it, don't they, Mark? Well, they do. But before we get into that, I was going to say, in a later episode, Joey doesn't know what an Adam's apple is. Oh. He, he thinks he has a Joey's apple and it's named after everyone's name, right? He does, doesn't he? Yeah. So... It's kind of weird how they dumb him down there, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at the time in that episode. Uh, but he knows what an Adam apple is. I, well, he kind of knows what one is. He thinks he knows what he's talking about. Hey. 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 So how is Joan? Broke up with her. Oh, hi. Hey. Don't tell me, because of the big nostril thing? <laughs> they were huge. <laughs> when she sneezed, bats flew out of them. They were not that huge. I'm telling you, she leaned back. I could see her brain. How many perfectly fine women are you going to reject over the most superficial, insignificant... Oh, 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 hold it, hold it. I mean, I got to side with Chandler on this one. When I first moved to the city, I went out a couple times with this girl. Really hot. Great kisser, but she had the biggest Adam's apple. (laughs) (laughs) You or me. I got it. Uh, Joey, women don't have Adam's apples. <laughs> you guys are messing with me, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. For a second there, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I really like jokes like this. So Family Guy does one where uh, Quagmire is like, oh, I really like Taylor Hansen. They're like, do you realise that's a dude, right? And he's like, no, no, I've got all, his ma- I've got all her magazines and everything. He's like, no, that's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's the, like, this has never happened to me where I've, I've seen someone and, and thought they were someone they weren't. No, I guess, I mean, I, this could be one of those moments where like the young kids that are watching Friends get upset about it not being woke enough. Yeah. Because if Joey fancies someone, Joey fancies someone, what does it matter of their gender or sex? Um, which, you know, you can kind of see. I kind of get the point. Like, if someone's hot, they're hot. Who cares? I guess, you know, it's up to you as a person to come to terms with that, however you feel about it. But I don't really see the issue. If someone's got an Adam's apple and they're hot, they're hot. No, I I do like the way Joe's like, oh, you nearly got me again. Well, like, here, Chandler looks exhausted that he's had to explain so many basic life things to Chandler, to Joey. He's just like, you and me. (laughs) Someone else help, please. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's another one of those again. So I I think it's, it's funny enough. It's like they, like they don't correct him. They're just like, no, yeah, okay, you carry on believing. Like, how many more men will Joey kiss now? Because he, <laughs> he, they haven't corrected him. Yep, definitely. But, uh, so we have the nice opening credits, which, here's a question for you. Do you skip the opening credits? When I'm doing the podcast, yes. Just because <laughs> there's no point me sitting there for 30 seconds before I need to either write some, you know, script here of, like, what's going to happen or... Uh, to edit out the clips if it's on 
uh, just in the background or TV or whatever, then no, they can play like it's fun enough. Plus, you know, every series is, is different in what's there, so it's fine. I don't, mostly because I'm still practicing the claps. Okay. How <laughs> many claps is there, Ryan? Four? <laughs> I don't know. No, we, I don't. We, we did this at the quiz night. That was one of the questions. It was. And but, we knew the answer because we had discussed this at length yeah, you on an early episode. I always do it at the wrong time, out of time, one, not enough, one too many, one too few. You wouldn't think I went to music school because when it comes to clapping in time <laughs> with a TV show, can't do it. Ryan can't clap. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, we have the opening credits that I can't clap through. Uh, and the gang having some beers in the kitchen. And they're asking Chandler to give him one example of a time he's broken with a woman over a legitimate reason. Now... You're, you're having your dating adventures recently. Okay, so we're going to phrase it. All right. <laughs> and I was, I was going to say, like, I, f- I feel like some of this works on, on you, but maybe you've not heard it, where either you've broken up with them or they've broken up with you. And I, and I wonder if actually if they were more honest, if they would come out with reasons that, that Chandler does. I mean, I'd rather that. Um, like, your, your beard is too beardy. Well, I'm pretty chill. So if you, you know... I'm happy to, you know, date until we decide. Like, I don't have a time frame. So it's not like, it's been six weeks. You haven't told me you love me. Like, I don't mind. We'll take it as, as things come. And so <laughs> my brain went to a really gross place. And I was like, is Mark going to laugh? You didn't laugh for a change. But uh, yeah, so I'm pretty chill. But if a girl was like, oh, we've got a breakup. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming that Chandler doesn't tell the women that. The you're not, you're not, your nostrils are way too big. I mean... You, you have to wonder, maybe they might twig a little bit where he's... Po- I, I can imagine he's just sitting there just staring. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather a woman be honest because A, white doesn't need to spare my feelings. Like, mm. you're already, if, if I'm into you and you break up with me, I'm already going to be sad. Like, the reason is kind of irrelevant. Um, no, I, I feel like the reason can be totally relevant. It depends. If they say your nostrils are too big, well, you can't really do much about that, right? That's just hurtful. If they're like... Hey, you know, you do this weird thing. I didn't like it. That's a learning experience. Well, but either way, like their reason is their reasoning, and you can't convince them they're wrong. It's just like, oh, Ryan, it's annoying because your laugh's irritating. I can't change that. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So if she's like, oh, your eyebrows are too bushy, I'll be like, fair. Like, it's your preference as to why you don't want yeah, to date me. Yeah, but I, I do think you can learn from some of it of like, why? And you'd be like, oh, I didn't realize it did that. <laughs> I ain't changing. <laughs> What's the point? I spent, I spent 35 years being me. Why am I going to change it for someone else? Like, if there are destructive habits, if you're like, Ryan, you drink too much, I'd be like, fair. That, you know, that's... that's a- well, that's, that's what I mean. Like, it could be, Ryan, you're, you're a bit too touchy and inappropriate. Or, you know, you're, 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 your jokes are a bit risque. I don't like them. Like, that's a learning experience. But when it's, you know, your forehead's too big. Yeah, thanks for that. Now I'm just going to be self-conscious about my forehead for forever now. I, don't know, I feel like I'd probably take the, the personality things to heart more than the physical ones because I can't or aren't willing to change the physical stuff. Like, I'm not going to get surgery. No. Like, Ryan, your nose is too big. I'm going to be like, well, I'm not going to get surgery. Like, that, that's on you. Like, and, okay, uh, and I guess with the personality, it's, it's subjective, isn't it? Because you might be like, oh, they think that's wrong. Does everyone think that's wrong? And it might just be them. Well, if there's a physical thing that puts you off, I'm kind of like, well, why, are you here? why were you here in the first place? And secondly... Because <laughs> it was gross and I wanted to check it out more. <laughs> but it's like, well, it, it is what it is. But when it's, if it's a personality thing, it's like, well, I'd rather that than the cliche, oh, we're after different things, or it's not you, yes. it's me. Like, I'm a, an adult. You can tell me that we're not compatible for whatever reason it is. You don't need to spare my feelings with an excuse. Because if anything, 
that's going to be worse because when you give me the cliche tired excuse I know it's a even lie. if it's genuine I'm going to assume it's a lie and then be like well what was it was it this was it this was it this yep. but I'm old now so I'm, I don't care like we stop dating we stop dating like especially when it's been a couple of weeks like you know if you've been together years there's a big change in your life but if you've only been dating a month or two and it's like well it's not going to work out it's like Oh, that's disappointing. All right, never mind, carry on. Well, we, we do notice that Chandler seems to focus on looks more than personality. Yep. At least at least in some of his examples. I assume there's a bit of both. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, snoring's annoying. Apparently I snore. Don't believe it. Um, but apparently, actually, I do believe it because yeah. I've seen footage. Um. <laughs> but, 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 you know, because like he brings up, you know, the nostrils and nose and other things. He doesn't bring up Janice's voice at all, does he? Well, the gang give him Janice as, like, a justifiable breakup. He left Janice because Janice. And we get, like, a little round of impressions from the gang. Everyone's like, oh, my God, that's an awful impression. <laughs> okay. All right, can you do a better one? No, I can't. I, 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 feel, I feel like you need to for the podcast. It's such a hard... That, that could be Patreon. I will practice my Janice for the Patreon. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll add it to the ever-growing list of stuff Ryan is going to do. Yeah, basically, it's my Patreon. It's not Patreon. <laughs> do you know what? To unlock everything, it's going to cost millions yeah. of pounds. So far, it's just me in a room, like some kind of sweatshop, just producing Patreon content. <laughs> The impressions are difficult. Like yesterday, we were chatting about the Macho Man Randy Savage. This is right on tangent again. But I don't know anyone that can do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression. If you guys aren't familiar, he's a really famous professional wrestler from like the 80s and 90s. And he had a catchphrase that was, oh yeah. And I know lots of people that can do a, a passable, oh yeah. Is, is, is it like the... What's the juice that, that jumps through the wall uh, that's in the American adverts and in Family Guy? The, oh, that, it's not Jughead. That's Riverdale. But, I mean, like the red yeah yeah, yeah. And, he, he, and he goes oh yeah like is it is it does it sound like that he sounds like the master man he's like oh yeah okay so deep, so probably a bit cowboy gruff gruffiness gives us a deep like macho deep group voice but i asked everyone who was playing actually last night give me a macho man oh yeah <laughs> and everyone gave me a, a passable oh yeah if yeah. you they did the impression in public they'd be like that's the macho man i'm like right say anything else say any sentence in the world there's too much butter on my toast in that voice. <laughs> no one sounds like the Macho Man. It's so, it's so weird. I know people that can do that one phrase and nothing else. Unless it's like the, the Joey issue where it's like he can turn anything dirty. <laughs> but it's just the opposite of that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we're just not macho enough. That's what the Macho Man would say. That we're not macho enough to say to, that to word. Say it. But yeah, I can't do that or Janice impression. But I'll practice Janice. I'll probably practice Macho Man too. I think, I think that's good. Yeah, so you, you, I guess this is where we do our quick Patreon plug, isn't it? I guess. Uh, join us on patreon.com forward slash watching friends. And, and I'll uh, do all the stuff yeah. I've been roped into doing through mentioning it in episodes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it uh, later on, probably in the episode or in other episodes. But um, yeah, we've got some fun content lined up there already. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe I can do my Macho Man impression in the dress that I've apparently been photographed in. Okay. That could work. Okay. <laughs> Uh, some people listening to this is the first episode are like I, I have no idea what that sentence was then. Like, like, what have I clicked on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I don't agree that breaking up with Janice was legitimate Janice was sweet Wh- I guess which breakup well the first one the initial one yeah. when she got punched in the eye she was, she's nice she's caring she's sweet yes she has that voice and that laugh but- which she doesn't actually get until he dates her like a third or fourth time yeah. to be fair but as a person for the most part, mattress kings aside, Janice is really nice. I could see how she might be a bit annoying and high energy. And Chandler is not high energy. 
No. So so I I can understand some things, but but otherwise no, she's like a perfect delight. Like you could see that she would she cares about him. Like she she bought him socks. And like not just any old socks, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Rocky, Rocky and Rocky, Bullwinkle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's great. Like, like you know, she she cares about him, and you know they'd probably do fun things. I I feel like he their personality types were probably too different. Chon is very laid back and kind of casual, and I feel like Janice would be quite hyper and wanting to introduce him to everyone. And yeah, it would stuff. definitely be like there wouldn't be a Saturday after or Saturday morning where Chandler didn't get dragged to brunch. Yes, it would totally be something that happened every week. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Of all the women he's broken up with, I don't think. Because the, the, the gang giving him crap for Nostril Lady, to me, doesn't line up with, okay, yeah, Janice is fine. It's like, what? Did you all collectively find Janice annoying? Like, it doesn't make it a legitimate reason just because the rest of you agree. Yeah. Like, maybe if you'd all seen this girl's nostrils, you'd all be like, oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'd be thinking about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we're having this nice round of impressions, and then there's a knock at the door. Oh. Hello, Mr. Heckles. You're doing it again. We're not doing anything. You're stomping. It's disturbing my birds. You don't have birds. I could have birds. Okay, Mr. Heckles, we'll try to keep it down. Thank you. I'm going to rejoin my dinner party. All right, bye-bye. Okay, Janice. Janice, you gotta give me Janice. That wasn't about being picky. Yeah, no, we'll no. give you Janice. I miss Janice, though. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Chandler Bing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Chandler, now. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. There, faster. <laughs> I've got to take Joey's lines. He's uh, mimicking uh, Janice, being being very happy with Chandler, <laughs> and that is my joke. My joke. Uh, <laughs> first off, they're they're having you know just like a little bit of fun, taking the mic out of her oh my god and laugh and whatever, and then Joey takes it to a level that no one else had any idea of. <laughs> No, I mean, if I was Ross, I'd be like, I'd be patting Chandler on the back. I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Mo- Monica and Rachel have never heard, like, Janice do that, I assume. Only Joey could ever hear that. And so it becomes this kind of weird level where you're like, oh, is that creepy? No, it's not. Because he would have heard it. And he takes it very far. And it becomes very funny. I found it funny that it's the one time Janice didn't say, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the times it would have been appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I guess it's quite inappropriate in what he's doing, but yeah, that that was very funny. Um, you've li- you've lived in apartments. Have mm-hmm. you ever had to stomp your feet or get the broom out and bang on the ceiling? No, our first apartment, we were the last apartment on the hall essentially, and there's a fire door between us and the rest of the okay the apartment level, so we could never hear anyone. Um, it was great, loved that apartment. Then our second apartment wasn't as good. Uh, there was. Oh, probably four doors down, uh, some girls who had a really small yappy dog. 
Um, and that thing, we could hear all the gore ram time. Uh, <laughs> of course. It, it was infuriate. Like, they take it from... Yip, 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 yip. I, I, oh. I, I hate dogs like that. You're just like, you're tiny. You're, you're not offensive to anyone. Anyone can destroy you by just stepping on you. Well, I was reading a thing about this the other day that the reason why big dogs are more well-behaved is because people expect big dogs to be aggressive or dangerous. So humans put more effort into training big dogs because they feel like they need to because they could potentially be a threat. Yeah. Whereas small dogs, the reason they're poorly trained in yippie is because people look at them and go, I don't need to train this dog. He's not a threat. So it gets away with behaviours that a big dog wouldn't. That's quite interesting. Well, that might be interesting. So it's not, again, like with most animals, it's never the animal's fault. It's always the owner's. Yep. Um, but here's, the, here's where we get a bit somber, Mark. We've, we've heard Joey's... Janice's sex impression. <laughs> Which the, is very funny. I, couldn't, I, was, I was laughing through that clip. Yeah, it's, it's that's so much fun that we've mentioned before that it's one of the difficult things because we play the clips with the mics live still. Yep. That it's sometimes really difficult not to laugh through the clip. Um, but did the gang kill Mr. Heckles? You've got to assume it's going to be a heart thing, right? Yep. And so he's going to go at any time. Him, him banging on the ceiling is probably like not that energetic. Yes, he might have been a bit stressed or whatever. But him, you know, walking down the stairs could have done that. No, Mark, there's been a murder. Been a murder. They, they killed the you, you think the girls... I think the whole gang, all of them stamped their feet and directly contributed to Mr. Heckle's death. Okay. Well, I, I think our podcast listeners should write in and tell us, did the girls and the boys kill Mr. Heckles? Yeah. Forget where they are on a break. Are they murderers? You can, you can be the judge and jury of this. I mean, at the very least, it's manslaughter. Uh, no. It no. wasn't intended to kill him, but their actions resulted in his death. If, oh, I, I can't agree with that. It's because you don't want our central perk buddies to be murderers. Well, yeah, <laughs> on one <laughs> hand, right? But also, what they did is just, you know, being normal, right? Like, you know, he, like I say, he could have gone at any time. It's not like they did something that could have brought harm to him. Them just being in their apartment is not a case of manslaughter. No, like, but aggravating him is. <laughs> is it? Aggravating. Is it? Yeah, they stamped and caused him deliberate distress. Okay. So I missed a couple of money, apparently. <laughs> I, I feel like we need Finks right to come in to show. Take that! Objection! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't agree that they, they killed him, but you, you could argue that, yes, their actions... Uh, maybe contributed to whatever else is going on because we don't know how he died, right? No, I'm mostly he, playing devil's advocate. You are, I know you are. <laughs> but, like, you know, for all we know, he choked on something or he slipped. Who knows, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, what a, what a grumpy man, though. He was grouchy, but, you know. Like, it's a poorly built apartment if you can hear people's uh, footsteps. And also, why have you got a, an apartment with poor soundproofing and then you put wooden flooring down and not carpet? Ooh. This, this is probably going to divide the listeners and maybe the nation. But in most, in my experience, British homes, there's an area, whether you're in a house or an apartment or a flat or whatever, where you first enter the door and there'll be a little mat, maybe a little shoe rack, and then you enter the house, you take your shoes off. Like, when you go to someone's house for the first time, I mean, any time, you always say, do you want to take my shoes off? Because it's just polite. It's done. Yes. Like, the shoes are dirty. You don't want to muddy up the house. But... No one ever does this in Friends, ever. No one ever takes their shoes off on the end of the apartment. So if you're wearing big clickety-clackety heels on a wooden floor, it probably is going to make some noise. Yeah. Whereas all it would have been is, if the girls' apartment was my apartment, there'd be a little basket 
at the start front of the door and you would enter the house and you would take off your shoes because I don't want your shoes especially Monica clean freak Monica is fine with people having their feet up on a coffee table I'm imagining every scene now where a character bursts in like our previous episode where Joey bursts in his cowboy outfit he bursts in, opens the door. Hang on, I've just got to take my cowboy boots off. So he has to sit down, undo them, slide them off, put them on the side. Yeah, look, why, why wasn't there like a little... <laughs> it was just proving every scene. Why wouldn't this little throw gag where Monica just gives up, where throughout the like, first season, every now and then, someone will burst in and she'll go, shoes! And then eventually just goes, oh, forget it, and just gives up. Because it, it fits with the character of Monica being the neat freak. It does. I think that joke would get old very quickly. Maybe one episode you Not as quickly that. as Mr. Heckle's got old. <laughs> that's a weird segue <laughs> he didn't age because they were stamping their feet he was just old already it finished him off <laughs> it did finish him off but apparently he's not quite gone he's dead but Phoebe can still sense Mr Heckles in the building well, at least she guides him towards the light <laughs> <laughs> screeches at him do, so do, do you think he's going up to heaven or straight down to hell I mean he's Mr Heckles so I think he'd stay just to be annoying yes Knock vases yeah, just, over. Yeah, just in limbo, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, move the sponge. Like, you know, little life things that ghosts like to do. Yep. Do you believe in ghosts, Mark? I don't believe in ghosts, no. I want to, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I, would, I would like that. It's, the, the idea surrounding it all is, is interesting and would be quite cool, right? Yeah. I, I guess it's, it's basically like an afterlife in a sense. Yeah. But no, I don't think they exist. You'd have to be really bored, though. Like, you're telling me that I pass away and realise there's some kind of existence after my body's dead. And there's all of the figures from that history that I could be spending time with. But I decide to annoy Mark by <laughs> turning the podcast mic off every now and then. I was going to say, like, basically, if you're a ghost, you're just a massive troll because there's nothing else to do. Yeah, but why would you want to? Like, why would you want to stick around the living when you're dead? I think I think there's a few people you'd want to get back at, and just an, I, I I certainly think that you've got a friend or two you would definitely want to haunt for a little bit for your own enjoyment. But you'd be like Pirates of the Caribbean, where Barbosa's watching her eat an apple, where you'd just be like, oh, I can't eat that. Like, imagine like you're at Nando's, and then occasionally the sauce gets knocked over. You'd be like, that's Ryan, that is. Because I, <laughs> like, I want a Nando's. Like, you just get annoyed that you're watching things happen that you can do. And then what if you've got like a wife or a loved one, and then you know, oh look, she's off on a date now. No wonder there's like angry ghosts. Would you not think it's like Casper, where you're just like one of the ghosts just shoveling food in and it's just popping down the bottom, it just falls out of you? I only considered being a Casper ghost, but they're quite fun ghosts. They are, yes. I went down like the going to the Light Caroline Pottergast style ghosts, and you went to chubby rounded anime ghosts. Yeah. Okay, yeah, if it's a Casper ghost, I might <laughs> yeah. be okay with it. Okay. Hang out with Ninomichi for a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh the gang are sceptical, for some reason, about Phoebe's weird sensey powers, her sixth sense, which Fair they're not enough. normally. They've never really expressed that she's clearly mental before, but this time... They mention sometimes little things here and there, but... But she also mentions that, you know, it's not fair... It's fair they're sceptical, but she goes into a big list of things that she doesn't believe in, one of which is the Bermuda Triangle. And I'm like, well, it exists. Like, it's a, it's a place. It's on a map. You can find it. Like, it's the set coordinates. Whatever happens when you go in it, fair enough. But the actual place exists. Well, yeah, so, so I... So you I, don't believe in Wisconsin. I have watched some, like, YouTube documentaries on it because it is a fascinating thing, the Bermuda Triangle. And basically, the the reason that there's a lot of plane crashes there isn't because it's some weird, spooky thing or mag magnets or whatever. It's basically pilots getting disorientated because there's no landmarks. Yeah. And the sky and the sea are blue. 
And the thing with them both being blue is you don't know which is which. And so you rely on instruments and you rely too much on the instruments, especially if it gets stormy or whatever, that you don't know what the hell is going on and you end up upside down and crashed. Yeah, we've all played Ace Combat and flew into a mountain. (laughs) You you would think in a plane, you'd be like, oh, you should be able to sense gravity. And yeah, but if you're being buffeted around and stuff like that and you're going, well, the instrument says it's this way, you're going to trust that and hope it's correct. Well, just the speed you're moving at. Like, yeah. but by, by the time you realise you've made a mistake, it's probably too late. And and it's the same way where uh, there's been a few TV shows where they put like a bunch of people on an island and leave them there for a few weeks to see if they can fend for themselves. And there's always a scene right at the start where they're like, right, they're, they've landed on the beach, they're going to go into the island and they, they're generally going to try and cross it because they know on the other side of the island is a much better beach with much better location and stuff. And what happens is they go forward and they end up just circling back around and coming back to where they were at the start. And it's a human thing of like, you think you're going forward, but because the sun's moving and all these other things that are going on, you actually just end up doing circles. And it's the same way with, with pilots. Like they, they're going along Bermuda Triangle, think they're going straight, but they're actually turning yeah. the whole way. And they just end up in so. And then they'll see an island and go, I think that's this other island. And so they turn a different way and then they end up, you know, going in circles and generally running out of fuel or whatever, right? So Bermuda Triangle, in a sense, doesn't exist, but also does. does exist. I'd be fine in the woods. I've never got lost in the woods. I get <laughs> sad that I can't get lost in the woods. I'd look at a straw around the woods and be lost in nature. <laughs> but I always know where I am. It's irritating. <laughs> You're in the woods. When I used to be in scouts, we'd all go like running up into the woods. And if I'd be like, oh, I don't know where to go. And I'd be like, that way. And my brain would just be like, camps over there. But we walked once for like two hours into the woods. And the entire time, my brain was like, it's this way. So I, I have this thing too. And they, there is a scientific study where they say like men are better at directions than women. And it's almost like uh, a magnet in your mind where you're like, well, I kind of feel that this is north. So we need to go left to go west. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I'm in like the car, I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to avoid the the traffic jam head. I'm going to go down this road. If so, if I turn left here, I know at some point I need to turn right and head like towards this direction. And in my mind, it feels right. And most of the time it kind of is. Yeah. But I think it's just different people. And, and it's, it certainly could be, have some truth in it. Cause that's how uh, a lot of animals work. Like they can sense the magnetic poles and they're like, they know where North is like birds migrating. Yeah. They don't, they don't follow the sun or the land. Well, they do a little bit, yeah. but, they generally like they just go. I know where North is. That way, yeah. They, they don't know why they know. They just know. But another thing that Phoebe doesn't believe in is evolution. No, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't. I mean, of course, Ross is triggered by this being Mister Science. Yep. And this is where this episode doesn't. It doesn't fall apart for me. I still love the episode, but it's one of these weird inconsistent things with Ross because. You haven't got a conflict between Ross and Phoebe if this is resolved in a logical way for Ross. Because I like science. I'm an atheist. Science calls things theories because there's no definitive proof. There's just a lot of evidence that suggests stuff. It's why science lists things as a theory, like the theory of evolution or the theory of gravity or the theory of this. It's called a theory because you technically can't definitively prove it. But evidence suggests this is the case. So... I've had debates with a lot of religious people who go, why is it a theory? And it's like, because that's how science works? Yeah, because whilst you could go, well, I proved gravity by dropping an apple. 
there could be something else out there that changes our knowledge of gravity as we think of it right now. And that happens with a lot of uh, facts. Yeah. I, so there's a program called QI, very good comedy kind of scientific program. Like yeah, it, like it's, comedy it's, panel show. Yeah. You learn lots of stuff. And, and they talk about like their history. It's been going for over 10 years in the UK, and I'm sure it's in America as well. And they're like, we did some research, and about 70% of the things we said were fact, which were fact at the time, are now false. Yep. Because science finds new information and changes and things that changes those things. I mean, it's an odd phrase to say, but the reason I have faith in science is because it's perfectly fine for science to go, oh, we were wrong. It's this. Yeah. Because, I mean... Phoebe mentions that in episodes that they thought the atom was the smallest thing ever and they split the atom and like quarks were discovered and it's like but that's the point like science doesn't ever say it's 100% this because we'll, it's proven wrong like, I will happily believe science until you find more science that proves that science wrong and then I'll believe that science because that's what you've done yeah and I, I guess this comes into like COVID stuff doesn't it with COVID deniers and, Ugh. and all that things where people see things online and go well that's got to be true because I saw it online they only write the truth online, don't they? Yeah, I don't. It's this weird distrust in authority, I guess, because the government must be telling fibs because they're the government. Yeah. But Steve on YouTube with his 12 subscribers, he definitely knows the truth. And now when it comes to science, I think all scientists will agree you should always question everything. Well, yeah, it's why science exists. Yeah, it's, it's to always constantly ask questions, and that's perfectly fine to do. So Phoebe not knowing evolution, which we'll get into probably in a, a few clips' time, does make sense yeah and that and that is because she doesn't know enough information because she's she's heard a thing she's seen a thing or believes a thing she's just gone with it and not looked into it further i find it odd that she thinks evolution is too easy like she doesn't buy it it's too easy and then ross gets all you know you don't have to buy it because it's fact well i guess we should listen to the clip then shouldn't we you should go ahead and scoff you know there are a lot of things out there that i don't believe in but that doesn't mean they're not true (laughs) such as like crop circles, or the Bermuda Triangle, or evolution. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, uh, you don't believe in evolution? No, nah, not really. <laughs> you don't believe in evolution? I don't know, it's just, you know, monkeys, Darwin, you know, it's a, it's a nice story. I just think it's a little too easy. <laughs> too easy? The process of every living thing on this planet evolving over millions of years from single-celled organisms is is too easy? Yeah, I just don't buy it. Uh, Excuse me. Evolution is not for you to buy, Phoebe. Evolution is scientific fact, like, like, like the air we breathe, like gravity. Oh, okay. Don't get me started on gravity. You, uh, you don't believe in gravity? Well, it's not so much that, you know, like, I don't believe in it. You know, it's just, I don't know. Lately, I get the feeling that I'm not so much being pulled down as I am being pushed. (laughs) Now, we don't know Phoebe's religious background. No. But I'm going to assume Christian. Like, same way you're an atheist now, but your upbringing probably had a lot of Christian values put into it. Uh, nope. So, school, you probably did. So. Well, I grew up in Birmingham, so I learned about nearly every faith that's prominent in the okay. city at the same time. So we would sing, we'd have to sing hymns at Christmas, um, and then we would sing Diwali songs at Diwali, 
And basically, if there was a significant religious event, our school celebrated it as a school. Okay. So everyone did it. Apart from Eid, because no one came to school at Eid. But I had to go to school. <laughs> so there used to be this like thing at school where it was like, how come I have to come to school at Eid, but Mohammed gets Christmas off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those kids were saying, what? It's because I don't want to work Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, did you do scouts or cubs or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Because obviously that's very Christian orientated. So I, f- I feel like maybe Phoebe had like a, maybe not a, a proper full Christian upbringing, but there probably would have been a lot of stuff, especially in the night. Well, not in the 90s, but in like, I guess the 70s for her. Especially in America, to be fair. They yeah. Were very, I'm not going to say devout, but it's very much force fed to you. And in the 70s, evolution, I don't know if that was a big deal. If it, it came back more in the 80s and 90s where people were talking about it a lot more. And it's certainly more relevant now as we find even more information to prove it yeah, has existed. So, and, and I guess in, in America, a lot of people probably did just go, well, evolution's not real because this is the teachings of god or whatever and you just if you're told a thing especially if you're young you just go on with that believe in that i find it odd it is odd but i i can totally see where where her lack of knowledge could come from where you know she's been at school and she's been told you know about about christ and how people came about you can be like that's it that's what it is and if you hear about evolution you're like now nah, like you know that sounds complicated and weird. Like, how, how did we come from an amoeba? Like, an amoeba is unrelatable to us, in a sense. Yeah. And it's very difficult to understand unless you research and have knowledge of it. I've always found the religious position of, look how, like, miraculous life is. This is the weird thing about, I guess, Western society, is that so much of our language in English has religious words or words with religious connotations, like miraculous, to mm. almost a miracle. Goodbye is like a condition of... God be with you. Like this, it's, yeah. it's literally saturated the language to the point where it's insane. Um, but I always found the argument odd that look at the way life is. It's so like miraculously wonderful. It must have been created or designed. When I'm like, I don't understand how that makes life more precious to you, given that the idea that we're all entirely here based on a million random coincidences and accidents to me makes life feel way more precious than the idea that some bloke just magics us up one day yes because the fact that for one slight environmental change the species wouldn't exist is like oh my god like look after the planet and life because we're barely here in the first place well even just looking at that you're like hang on so how did life come from nothing so you said like there's some temperature and there's some like carbon dioxide and there's some other things and like life just formed itself from that how, how did a cell form from Essentially, enough. It's 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 complex to think about. I guess it comes down to your mindset of: Do you need to understand something to believe that it's true? And there are plenty of things that I don't understand that I believe to be true. Just because I can't explain to you, because I can't explain string theory to you, doesn't mean that I don't think it's. And I think that's the same with religion, isn't it? Where a lot of people believe lots of religious stuff is true, even though they can't explain it. Yeah, I guess my issue with religion is that. When, science, when scientific theory A is disproven or shown to be inaccurate or incorrect by scientific theory B, they don't adapt theory A. Theory A doesn't bend to make it seem like it was correct all along. No. It just says, oh, it's wrong, chuck it out. Theory B is now the way we, we deal with the world. Whereas consistently religion has been shown to amend things to make it more palatable, to keep it relevant. So, for instance, a lot of the ancient churches in Britain 
have a depiction of a green man, like a bearded man, essentially. And it's not Jesus. It's the, the green man who was a pagan god that was in charge of like fertility and the seasons in like ancient pagan Britain. And to make become Christian more palatable to the public, the Romans were basically like, ah, look, you know, Jesus, he's best pals with the green man. And then we were like, really? Oh, blimey, that's good. And they would just like adapt it. Like the Gnostic Gospels where parts of the Bible were just taken out. And when, I can't remember his name, the Roman Emperor who decided he was going to be Christian and decided to make the Roman Empire Christian, decided that Jesus' birthday was the 25th of December because yeah. that was his birthday. <laughs> and it's just like, you've got, you've got all this stuff out there. And I'm like, that's why I have issues with religion because science will throw an idea right once it's proven wrong, whereas religion will deliberately bend itself to the point of breaking to try and justify its relativity. Oh, well, and I guess that's more because of the modern era and information exchange. And like, if you if you go back to two thousand years ago, you can be like, okay, religious, uh, like re- religion has a lot of positive stuff to it, like like the Ten Commandments. Let's say, like, don't steal and stuff like that. There's a lot of in a lot of the stories. There's like, this is a great way for people to live and be good to one another, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of positive aspects of of religion that aspect. But then as you get into like the modern day era and information changes very quickly and spreads very quickly all of a sudden some of this stuff breaks down where it doesn't make sense so you'd have stuff in the past where it's like you know you you can't be gay and it's like well that makes sense back in that time because you'd want the population to grow or you might want control over certain aspects of of life to make life better or easier for yeah yeah but then as we, as a population, have grown to 7 billion people, well, some of those things don't matter to our like human society. And then that's where religion breaks down. And it's the same with like evolution. Like It's easier to, to say to someone who you know, 2,000 years ago wouldn't be anywhere intellectual compared to us now, no. go, it's magic. Okay, that makes sense. Whereas if you went, oh, well, actually, we uh, descended from this, 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 and this, you'd, you'd destroy their mind. It's like trying to think about the, the universe and the galaxy in space right now where you're just like, I, I can't comprehend that. Yeah, well, you basically just touched on uh, an, an idea, I guess, that's called the God of the Gaps, where ancient humanity would just... The reason that we had earthquakes was because the Greek gods were mad. Yes. Uh, and thunder and lightning was Zeus's wrath and all this kind of stuff. And as science, as humanity have become more intelligent, it's good more about the world around us, the things that we attribute to God have got smaller and smaller. So God, in theory, has gotten less and less powerful because suddenly all the stuff we now understand about the natural world, we know God's not responsible for. So God has become essentially less and less relevant to the point where as humanity go forwards and discover more, the air of the space left for God to exist and have influence kind of shrinks. Yep. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because I'm not trying to upset anyone who's got a faith and if you know you are devout and you know this is offensive, well, sorry, but it's our opinion. Um, I'm not trying to upset anyone. No, no, it's... you. You know, you you are entitled to believe whatever you want to believe in, and I guess this is what we believe in. Yeah. Um, and and to get back to to friends specifically, like for for Phoebe, you know, her not believing in evolution can make a lot of sense. Where you're like, well, we came from from monkeys and apes. It's like, but there's monkeys and apes now, so why didn't they all become humans? I, I hate that. So, oh. so so, but but <laughs> this is where you can see why Phoebe, you know doesn't at this point believe in evolution because there's, there's lots of signs and things that point to stuff like that where you're like, well, I can understand why she doesn't think that. And it's generally just because it's a lack of, of knowledge on her part. Yeah, but weirdly, I think that even though I have faith in the theory of evolution, I think there's a lot of credit to it. 
Russ is the one being outlined in this situation, which we'll definitely get more into later yes. on in the episode. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing worse than someone swinging other people's knowledge at you. Yeah, or telling, especially if you you believe in you know, certain faith things, just going, no, you're wrong because of this. Like you, you can't tell people they're wrong in that way. You can educate people and let them come to their own conclusions based on knowledge and fact. And that's the same for the other way around of, of religious people uh, telling someone who's not religious things. You need to educate them certain things. Because like I said, there's a lot about religion that's very positive. But if you just go and shout at me that, you know, I'm going to go to hell if I don't do this, this and this, that's not a way to, to get me on board. Well, I always find it odd when, like, re- like, there used to be some Jehovah's Witnesses that would come knock on my door, like, once a week. And we'd have, like, very civil conversations about theology and faith and stuff. And they would always point to being good and knowing what goodness was and what morality was. And I was like, what makes you think that came from God? I was like, surely society flourishes when it's functional and when it's dysfunctional it fails and you know people die out essentially so murdering each other that's bad for a society so if you're a small tribe and there's what say a hundred of you and you start murdering each other your tribe's going to fall apart so as a species you'd learn that that behavior is undesirable and would shun people that did it and the same with you know countless other and then things that work like you're helping each other and caring for each other and looking after each other and basic what you'd call morality, you'd realise those behaviours help you flourish and survive, so you would adapt to them. So the, to me, the weird idea that religion and faith have this kind of monopoly on morals is really odd to me, because clearly ancient humans and ancient species and old religions, they've kind of taken this idea that God taught us how to be good, and it's like, well, no, before your religion existed, another one existed, and they had the same principles. So logically, all those principles came from humanity, not from God. Because they had to have existed somewhere before we attributed it to something else. Yeah. Um, in fact, I got in trouble in secondary school. Um, we were in RE and we were chatting about religious education yeah, class. Religious education. We were studying religious studies, and teacher was like, "Anyone got any questions?" And we were discussing like random religions, and we were discussing like the polytheistic religions of the ancient world, like the Greeks and the Romans and that kind of stuff, Babylonians and things. And I was like, "Yes." And she's like, "What, right?" And I'm like, "When do you think?" people will talk about current religions the way we talk about the Greek and Roman ones. It's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, we all sit in this room and have called them the Greek myths and the Roman myths. But we call Christianity a religion and Islam a religion and all the other religions religions, not myths. So in a thousand years' time, do you think there are going to be kids sat in a classroom discussing the Christian myth? And she went mental. <laughs> Half the class went mental. Because I studied RE because I was interested, even though I was an atheist. I did it as a GCSE. But most of the people in my class studied it because it was their faith and they wanted to learn more about it. These classes got mental. My teacher's screaming at me. I was sent to the head teacher's office. I was booted out of the classroom. Got to the head teacher's office, which is not a place being a geek in a, that I visited very often. <laughs> if I did, it was normally extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in, I'm in Mr. Brimstone. Can I help you with those envelopes, sir? What was great is that... Uh, our head teacher was called Mr. Brimson, but everyone used to call him Mr. Brimstone because you only saw him when you were in trouble. Yeah. So, and I always found that really funny that I've been sent out of our way to go see Mr. Brimstone. <laughs> but anyway, and I get into his life. So, what have you done, Ryan? And I'm like, we had this, and I explained the situation to my head teacher. At which point he went, and you were kicked out of the class for this. I went, yes. He's like, seems to me like you were asking a very reasonable question in a lesson. I was like, I wasn't trying to upset anyone. I was just genuinely curious. Like, it seems odd to me that we refer to one religion as a myth and the others we don't. 
Um, anyway, yeah, go back to your class. And if Miss Nelson's got a problem with it, tell her to come see me afterwards. But you shouldn't be kicked out of your class for asking a question in school. Yeah. So I marched back into the classroom because, you know, at this point, I'm feeling smug. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what are you doing back in? I said, Mr. Brimson said that I'm allowed to ask questions at school. Education is the whole purpose of me being here. And if you've got a problem with it, you can go see him after class. And then I sat back in my chair. <laughs> I was only in class for about four minutes because it was only an hour-long lesson. Yeah. So nearly, I was literally sat there like, yeah, I just won the lesson. Yeah. I'm going to say, right, smuggle it or ask, to be honest. You can go see the head teacher now, miss. <laughs> be like, no, you go to the principal's office. Well, if only we uh, had our own Mr. Trigger to interrupt our religious thoughts, I guess. Yeah, we've got to talk about like, definitely <laughs> yeah. the biggest tangent we've ever gone yeah. on. Uh, but yeah, we do get interrupted by Mr. Trigger, and so did the gang. Uh, Mr. Heckle's attorney has arrived and explains to the gang that Mr. Heckle's had no family, shocker, uh, and left all his belongings to the girls. This is a bit weird, isn't it? Like, like you know, attorney turns up and is like, hi there, I have conveniently turned up to provide exposition on like how you're going to get into his apartment. Well, it's, it's funny because you hear about things like this happening where someone wins the lottery ticket wins the lottery and then goes back and the, the waitress, the famous story about the waitress that helped the guy pick the numbers so yeah. he went back and gave her half. Uh, so I think there's a Nicolas Cage movie about it. And all sorts of stuff where there'll be someone who, there'll be a guy who helped an old lady cross the street every day for 15 years and then when she passed away she left him like four million pounds because she had no one else to. You, these stories do come up. If he stays in a haunted house for one night. <laughs> yeah. So th- these things do happen. Like you hear stories. Maybe they're urban legends, I don't know, but you do hear about it happening. So what I like about this bit is that, well, it seems unlikely. It doesn't seem that far-fetched. Because I assume you don't have a will. Uh, not a written one. No, like I, I don't have a will. I probably should have. But I can't really imagine Miss Heckles one day just being like, yeah, I'm going to change my will. Because it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of effort. More than enough effort to you to kind of not bother doing it. Well, how long has Monica been in the apartment at this point? We don't know. Because you, you assume it's been a while. You would assume, well, you would assume, if she's, let's say she's 25 now, right? Something like that. She's a little bit older? I can't remember the age off the top of my head. But let's say she moved out at 18, so she's been there potentially for five to seven years, something like that. Yeah. That's long enough, I guess, to... I guess to form some kind of strange attack. Of course, Rachel has only moved in the past year. Before that, Phoebe was there, so who knows who he's yeah. referring to as the girls. Maybe the girls meant Phoebe. It's still odd. It's, I think it's not, that's not the odd bit to me. It's more the attorney turning up to talk to them. That's his job. If, you know, if there's I, a will, I feel, I feel like he would do. call them and tell them to come to his office. He wouldn't turn up at his apartment. Um, no, it makes sense. Because if, if your document just says, I leave my stuff to the girls downstairs and you don't know who that is, you'd have to go to the building and be like, uh, he's well said the girls downstairs, who's that? And then Mr. Trigger, oh, it's these guys. Yeah, I feel like he wouldn't do it that way, but... I think he's doing due diligence, Mark. I think <laughs> he's... Maybe he's a very good attorney. Yeah, I think he's great at his job. <laughs> I also like the way he comes in and he goes, hey, kids, because he's, he's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. in his 70s or whatever. <laughs> it's just, I like calling people younger than me, kid. It entertains me. They all think it's patronising and annoying, but I like it. Yeah, it's weird to think, them being 25, yeah, they are kind of kids, aren't they? But they also feel adults. Like, I've got friends at work that were like, oh my God, I'm turning 23 next week. And I'm like, pah, barely born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, how are you, Ryan? I'm like, 35. Wait, wait till you got a dodgy back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, soon you'll be getting out of chairs and making sounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, you, you know, night out ends at 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> 11? <laughs> you mean half six? <laughs> oh, I just want a cup of tea yeah. and a biscuit. Yeah. Um, but most of the gang are saddened to hear that Mr. Heckles had no family. But Rachel 
just wants to talk money. Yep, it's all about the money with Rachel, isn't it? I'm actually... I know this shouldn't be a nice thing, and you shouldn't be happy to see materialistic Rachel, but I'm really happy that we see this kind of little shade of old-school Rachel reappear, because by the end of the series, would you describe Rachel as materialistic? Because I wouldn't. A little bit, like birthday presents and stuff. I think there's like a hint of it still there. But when, but, you, when you say Rachel to me, I don't immediately think... When taking all of Friends as a show into account, materialistic wouldn't be an attribute I'd put down. At the same time, as soon as you hear like someone in your family has died, there is always a tinge of thought of like, I wonder how much I'm going to get. No, my family was skint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're like, how much am I going to owe? My mother's like, oh, crap, I've got to wear a suit again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, I can't even, by the end of the show, admittedly, she has an amazing job. And right now she's still subject to America's stupid wage laws. And it's probably getting like $2 an hour to yeah, bust so- tables. Maybe maybe if we get some money, like they could sell the apartment, right? Yeah, I mean, we know from from our like pod stats that we've got quite a lot of American listeners, and sometimes I might get quite annoyed as being like stupid American this. Or I imagine most of our listeners go, "Yeah, that is stupid that people <laughs> who work in a coffee shop get paid two dollars, but you know the guy who owns it is getting you know all this or whatever." Yeah, but uh, there's no money, Mark. So Rachel quickly loses interest. If you <laughs> yeah. But Monica's super touched by Mister Heckle's gesture and says that. They sure always thought he hated them. Um, but this is quickly dismissed as we enter his apartment. And clearly, it's Mr. Heckle's last act <laughs> of revenge. Of revenge yeah. villainy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you, could, you could tell just Mr. Heckle's was probably a bit of a hoarder. Probably didn't tidy up after himself. Like, he used to come out in his uh, dressing gown all the time, right? He did. So I, I wouldn't have thought of him as being a clean freak or having the latest stuff going on. So, yeah. Who, who knows? Maybe maybe for got to give it to someone the girls will do i don't i don't think it was an act of revenge it's no oh, i'm i'm 100% with monica i bet it was like ah twitter my crap <laughs> <laughs> it's just like i just like the idea that he was sat there one day thinking when i go i almost feel like he started hoarding things just to make them clean it up this is this is going to be you in uh, about 40 50 years time isn't it where you're like ha Take all my comic books and have to organise them and find out which ones are worth more than ten pence. This is because one thing is only like two of you would bother doing that. Like at the moment, I've got about ten thousand comic books and I'm thirty-five. So if we assume that I live till I'm sixty-five, that'd be twenty thousand comics. That's a lot of comics. <laughs> Most of you wouldn't be bothered to go through the collection and work out what was worth money. I, I feel like I would go based on names. So if I see a Batman, maybe. If it's some comic I've never heard of before, no. I think I would like leave a list that says, like, I don't know, Detective Comics 1452 is worth this much. And it would be complete nonsense. It would yeah. just be complete crap. You're like, no, Ryan said this was worth money. Give me money for this. <laughs> like, put, it, put it on eBay for £10,000 and people are like, that's worth a quid, mate. Yeah, but that happens so much. <laughs> like, when I worked at a comic book store, before the Marvel movies came out, people would walk in with comics from the 60s or 70s and be like, can I have a tenner for this lot? And, you know, like, pound signs would appear in your eyes and you'd be like, yes, yes, you may. And then after Marvel became popular, people would just assume that every comic they had was worth a fortune. Yeah. Like a guy came in once with some comics that were about 14 years old, a bunch of Iron Man stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, how much can I have for these? And I wasn't in charge of assessing prices. That was, there was one guy in the shop, David, who knows more about comics than I you know, will ever know. And he was always in charge of doing that kind of stuff, buying it in. And I've basically looked and gone, I can call David, but looking at it, like 20p, 50p each, like not a lot. And he goes, what, the Iron Man? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
but they're, they're, they're modern stuff. Like, no, nah, it's old. It's like 15 years old. And I'd be like, dude, that's not old for a comic. That's no. considered modern age. Like old comics are like 40s, 50s, 60s, like 70s, like the classic gold and silver age stuff. And it's like, nah. And I'm like, all right, well, David's on the way. So David comes downstairs and basically explains exactly what I've just said, that they're not really worth anything. And they give him 10 pence each uh, because they're going to go in our 50p box or whatever. And this guy's like, no, you're trying to rip me off. And they were just like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> like just people just not knowing what they had. No, no, exactly. Well, I guess we need to evolve again into our next evolution clip from Ross. How can you not believe in evolution? Oh, just don't. Look at this funky shirt. Thebes, I've studied evolution my entire adult life, okay? And I can tell you, we have collected fossils from all over the world that actually show the evolution of different species, okay? I mean, you can, you can literally see them evolving through time. Really? You can actually see it? <laughs> you bet. In, in uh, the US, China, Africa, all over. See, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Huh. So now, the real question is, who put those fossils there and why? Hey. It's a shame that it's an audio podcast and not a video because Ross's face yep. when Phoebe asks who put those there and why, <laughs> it's like he's been slapped in the face with a wet fish. He's yep. just uh, he just can't, his brain can't figure out what the hell Phoebe's on about. And it's great. But this is how, you know, religion for a long time taught like, you know, dinosaurs and humans existed 4,000 years ago. Yeah, but this is way older than that. And it's like, no, no, it's not. No. So it's... Yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of going with the more Christian upbringing for, for Phoebe here. I don't know, I'm just going for the, she didn't spend a lot of time at school, lived on the streets. I'm going for lack of education as opposed to religious indoctrination. Okay. I just think she just doesn't know. She was never taught it. No, so no I think that's fair. When you have no knowledge. So when you're at school and someone tries to explain something to you, you're like, what? How does that make sense? Long division, huh? Like, it just, yeah. I have no idea. Like, yeah. This doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. Therefore, it sucks. Um, but no. But while they're rummaging around the apartment, Chandler discovers Mr. Heckle's big book of grievances, which always reminds me of Warhammer Dwarves and their stupid books of grudges. <laughs> okay, stupid dwarves. Um, but Joey is happy to discover an entry by himself after bringing a date home. I wonder if this date had an Adam's apple mark. <laughs> and Chandler's also in the book, listed as Italian guy's gay roommate. <laughs> yeah. He does have a quality. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's no wonder like Chandler is kind of a bit concerned about how he's seen. Because it seems to be brought up quite often that people think he's gay. Which even a guy who, you know, lives above them and has probably no interaction with them. It's a weird one because people make assumptions all the time. And I don't ever consciously remember making a judgment that I thought about someone's sexuality. It's not something that I really think about. No. Like I don't meet someone and go, This person's this because it's not relevant to my life. I guess the only time I've thought about it is do I want to sleep with this person? <laughs> I hope they're straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so not, I hope they're single. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, if they're not, as I can tell you from experience, one, if they're not straight, it doesn't matter if they're single or not. No, I guess not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they could be as free as a bird, but not be into men. It's like, oh, well, I can't date you, then, can I? I? When you look into this joke further, though, you're like, hang on. Mr. Heckles was above the girl's apartment. So how did he hear... Chandler and Joey going into theirs. 
And he's above, so how did he know it was them making the noise? You in your apartment geography again? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the, as soon as you're reading some of these jokes too much, it ruins the joke, right? Yeah, but it makes sense. Like when people are visible, when people can see people from... I guess maybe if they're noisy, like chatting, you can hear them. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if Mr. Heckles wasn't in his apartment. No, just, yeah, Heckles... just, just down the hall, like darkened hallway, yeah. eating his pie. Just roaming around, <laughs> leaving stuff on radiators, yeah. looking for monkeys. <laughs> yep. he, he just happened to be lurking in the corridor one day and heard this happen. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, the big book of grievances is, is quite funny, but also depressing at the same time. Yep. Especially, especially if you've written the big book of grievances on it, or even just grievances. What was the purpose of the book? I mean, in some ways it's, it's kind of fine because he's getting out you know, some of his uh, anger and upsetness by writing it down, not, not stewing on it, hopefully. Like, did he have any kind of punishment planned? hope not. Like, did Mr. Heckles have an AR-15 under the sofa and one day was going to take out the entire apartment building? Oh, you've made this very dark. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> was it just, uh, you know, did he have anger control issues and I, I that think, was his way of getting out of the anger in a healthy way? I think it's just a bit of a weirdo. Was he deranged? I, yeah, I think it's just deranged and, you know, you know, writing things down is a form of control, isn't it? So may, maybe for him it was just that's what he does. He, he writes, writes things down. Maybe our listeners can let us know. So we've got my fan fiction about Carol and Susan having a day out. And then my fan fiction about the relationships and friends I wanted to see go further than they did. And then we can have like an action movie where Mr. Heckles goes, you know, mass shooter. And we have to, you know, it's like Die Hard. I was going to say, I was, thinking, I was thinking Die Hard or Taken. It'd be great. Chandler. Imagine Phoebe in Die Hard. She'd have like Berettas on her hips, a shotgun. She'd be great. Oh, see, I'm just imagining Mr. Heckles like running down a street, Tom Cruise style, but he's still got his dressing gown on. He's <laughs> flapping in the wind. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> He's got some shorts on to cover his modesty, but... That, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not do that fan fiction, it's quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but as they're rooting through the apartment, everyone's finding things that they want to keep and claim and take home, which I find really odd. <laughs> of course, free stuff's free stuff, right? I guess. It's just... About, well, I suppose, if it was someone I knew, like... Say one of our mutual friends passed away, but like dibs on his TV. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what friend this is. Yeah, like straight away. Uh, it wouldn't be the one that didn't buy an OLED. He can, <laughs> he can keep that TV, we'll bury him with it. <laughs> but yeah, I just find it really weird that Rachel wants this really tacky clock that doesn't seem to fit her style at all. No, I feel like she's doing it to kind of hit back at Monica. Yeah. Because cause clearly, like, and she does mention this, like, it's not Rachel's apartment either. And I think that's fair. Like, it's Monica's apartment and she rents a room to Rachel. Yeah. I wouldn't want Rachel kind of changing my living room, putting all her stuff everywhere. That would annoy me. It's my it's my house. Yeah, I mean, I... We I, share the rooms, but... A friend of mine, I've mentioned before, stayed at, stayed at mine for a while once and he is in my room all the time and I would just get angry because I just didn't have my own space. I would just look and, I don't know, the Halo games on the shelf wouldn't be in release order and I'd get annoyed that he put it back in the wrong place. But it wouldn't be like a small level of annoyance. It would be just absolutely like gigantic and I'd be like seething with rage. And then you look at it and go, it's just a game on the like, shelf. Like we're not renting an apartment together. I'm renting a room. You can do whatever you want in your room, but the communal areas stay as mine. But like I, we share them, but... I do kind of think that Rachel's got a point. A little bit. Like Monica should let her have some stuff in the apartment. So I think she's got a point there. And, and clearly she's like... I'm just going to have this because I know it's going to upset you. 
Yeah, I'll take the cat tacky clock because yeah. I know you want. Like she could put the tacky clock in her bedroom. Maybe yeah. She doesn't yeah. want to. He deliberately yeah. has to go in Monica's living room. Not that I think the girls' room or the living room is particularly nice. Such a random hodgepodge of eclectic nonsense. I was going to talk about it a little bit in this series. The apartment has changed again slightly. Like there's a lot more weird ornaments around and tables and vases and stuff that you just kind of like none of this fits. No. It, it, it does, kind of, like in the show. You're like, yes, this all works together. But if you take each piece individually, like, well, there's some Egyptian-themed vases there. Then there's, like, an Ikea table there. And then you've got, like, that French poster there. Like, it's all a yeah. weird mix of stuff. Like, I probably put more thought into this than I probably should have. But I was like, so, it was Monica's grandma's apartment. So when you first move in, I imagine there'd be lots of stuff where you're like, oh, this is grandma's. I don't want to move it. So you'd keep certain things. And then over the years you'd assume that it would naturally become more Monica's apartment as she bought things or got rid of things or things broke or whatever. But it doesn't look like that happened. It just kind of looks like... Yeah, it does look like her her nan's like stuff there and she's just kind of carried on with most of it. Yeah, like the bedroom's her bedroom, but the rest of the apartment's her nan's. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Rachel Rachel gets to keep her lamp and kind of takes it off to the apartment. Her, her, her little tacky... Well, you say here tacky clock, but yeah. That's later on, isn't it? Well, she wants the tacky... She likes the tacky clock and she likes the tacky lamp, but she decides to keep the tacky lamp yep. and runs off to put that in the apartment. Um, but Ross still can't let go of evolution and he's now being a total tool to Phoebe. He is. Like, it's just uncalled for, really. Um, but then Phoebe flips it on Ross and asks him what his weird need is to have everybody agree with him. And I'd be lying if I didn't admit I'd do this at times. <laughs> Yes. Um, I mean, she's, she's got a massive point. Like, yes, Ross always has to think he's right. And he's done it with Rachel in the past to the point where it's, like, detrimental. And it's like, sometimes you have to let things go and just go, you know what? It's not worth the argument to be right. They can think they're right. Who cares? Like, they're going to forget about this in two seconds. I think the problem is my brain, and I'm assuming it's similar to Ross, and, again, it's still troubling me how much I identify with Ross at times. <laughs> yes, you're not a Chandra or definitely not a Joey. No. You're a Ross. But in my brain, if you and I have a com- start a conversation or a discussion <laughs> or a debate... Can we call you the Rhinotron? <laughs> can't call me the Rhinotron. That sounds awful. <laughs> but if you... In my brain, a debate is like a boxing ring. You step into the ring. In my head, we're there... Until one of us is knocked out. Like, until one of us... Until I've convinced you that I'm right. Either I've convinced you or you've convinced me. We've made points where, even if I have to go, ooh, what a salient point, Mark. I'm going to go away and research this. Is is that like an uppercut from them? A KO? Yeah, like, ooh, I I need to reconsider this. And then, because I... It's interesting, I enjoy debates. As a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up. It was one of my, oh, I'm going to argue for a living. Great times. But I like debates. They're fun and interesting. And... There's nothing more fun than like essentially losing an argument in the sense of actually losing one where someone go changes your mind and goes, no, but consider this and you but go, you Ooh. won because you learned some new knowledge. Well, yeah, essentially, as cheesy as that sounds. But when you start a debate with me, I assume we're both in that debate till the end of the debate. And what annoys me, and this is really prevalent nowadays in society, especially online, I think social media is to blame for weird echo chambers, but nothing's more frustrating than when you can't, answer a point i've said and rather than just admitting it because it doesn't mean i'm gonna be like haha i'm correct i'll just accept that okay you can't answer that 
fine, whatever. Like, end the conversation for now. But if you think of a, a response later, we can have the debate again. <laughs> we can have a round two. Yeah, we can go round two. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with going to your corner and, you know, getting fixed up and having some water. But it's when people will go, they stop arguing the point and start arguing either about you or how you're arguing or how you're not listening. They've lost the argument at that point. And that, but then I lose all, then I do go, I go Red Ryan. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it frustrates me that you've, you've entered the... Because then I get annoyed that I've wasted my time, essentially. We've not had a debate. We've had rhetoric. And that's a waste of time. And you just try to f- be offensive to me because f- for reasons that... For, for you only. Because we was having an argument about something totally else. Well, I don't even mind that, that people get offensive. But it's just the fact that you, know, I, I, you then realise that once that person says that you're not listening or you're arguing or insulting you or whatever... You then realise that the the entire conversation was entirely disingenuous, and they had zero intention of actually having an intellectual conversation. Yeah. Their entire point of that conversation was, "I'm right, you're wrong. I'm going to make you realise this." And when you get people into a corner, they don't like it and they freak out and start calling you all the names under the sun. Yeah. And then I get mad because we've just bored everyone else in the room for thirty five minutes while we've debated this, and you've ruined it because you can't talk. Like I've been proven wrong plenty of times. A lot. I've probably been proven wrong more than I've been right. But I never mind because I'm like, oh, yeah, didn't think of that. Cool. See, I, I don't mind having discussions with people, but debates, I feel, just don't generally end well. It often does just end up into an argument and no one learning. Well, I'm a bit like Russ in the sense that I don't know when to quit. No, you don't. So, and because I like debates and arguments and winning them's fun, sometimes I'll take people not wanting to continue the debate as if I've got them on the ropes. So I'll just keep swinging. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, ooh, ooh, the, let's talk to something else now. And I'm like, no, don't back away from me. You're in the corner. And I just my brain just assumes that I'm about to do a knockout punch. Whereas they're probably like, no, I'm done with this conversation. Like, don't want to carry yeah, on. Or they're socially, it's, not, it's not fun. They're socially aware enough to realise that everyone else in the room is bored. Yeah. Whereas I don't care. Because <laughs> I'm just like, be bored. <laughs> I need to win. So yeah, I, I definitely guilty of doing a bit of a Ross. It's something I'm working on, growing as a person. So we've got some new names for you, uh, Red Ryan. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a, a terrible superhero name or or something else. I would be pretty peeved if you ate my sandwich. To be fair, I think anyone would, right? Yeah, especially if I'd made the sandwich. If I'd bought the sandwich, I'd, I'd be annoyed. If I'd made it, I'd be even more annoyed. But still. Especially if it's uh, got the moist maker in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I've been reaching around. Russ is still being a Ryan, I guess we'll say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and we find some more goodies. They've got a clip about. Yeah, check it out. Heckles High School Yearbook. Ooh. Wow, he looks so normal. Yeah, he's even kind of cute. Heckles, you cracked me up in science class. You're the funniest kid in school. Funniest? Heckles? That's what it says. Wow, Heckles was voted class clown and so was I. He was right. Would you listen to that? <laughs> I'd call that excessive. Whoa. What? Heckles played clarinet in band, and I played clarinet. And he was in the Scale Modelers Club, and I was... Well, there was no club, but I sure thought they were cool. So you were both dorks. Big deal. I just think it's weird, you know? Heckles and me... Heckles and me... Me... Me and Heckles... Hey, would you knock it off?
Yeah, that noise would be really annoying constantly. Yeah, and we're just imagine trying to relax. Yeah, I'd, I'd be up there going, hey, I'm going to pay for carpet for your a whole apartment. Yeah, just we'll steal yeah, that, all their shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that is pretty bad apartment design, really. It is. So, you know, maybe Heckles wasn't that out of line. Maybe he no. was just was just frustrated with X amount of years of stompy moniker. Yep. But, I mean, like it's, it's nice that Chandler... Well, it's not nice, but... Chandler's gained to see a different side of Mr. Hackles and has obviously noticed it in parallels of his own life. And he's now said he's going to wind up alone. Yeah, so we're going to jump into another clip. You've been here all night? Look at this. Pictures of all the women that Hackles went out with. Look what he wrote on them. Vivian, too tall. Madge, big gums. <laughs> too loud. Too smart. Makes noise when she eats. This is, this is me. This is what I do. I'm gonna end up alone, just like he did. Chandler, Heckles was a nutcase. Our trains are on the same track, okay? Yeah, sure, I'm coming up 30 years behind him, but the stops are all the same. Bittertown, <laughs> Aloneville, Hermit Junction. <laughs> right, you know what we gotta do? We gotta get you out of here. Come on, I'll buy you breakfast, let's go. Well, what if I never find somebody? Or even worse, what if I already found her, but I dumped her because she pronounces it supposedly? Chandler, come on. You're going to find somebody. How do you know that? How? I don't know. I'm just trying to help you out. <laughs> You'll see. You guys are all going to go off and get married, and I'm going to end up alone. Will you promise me something? When you're married, will you invite me over for holidays? Well, I, mean, I don't know what we're going to be doing. I mean, uh, what if we're over at her folks' place? <laughs> yeah, I understand. You can come over and watch the Super Bowl every year, all right? You know what? I'm not going to end up like this. I'll see you, man. Sheesh. Supposedly. <laughs> Supposedly. Did they go to the zoo? Supposedly. I hate this bit because I think about it. Like, hang on, how do you say it again? Supposedly? Supposedly? <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't sound like a word anymore. No. But I, I, I think we've... I think everyone has been in this mindset of Chandler's at some point in their life where they're like... Bit of ill, alone town. Like no one's going to be with me. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Like, I, especially especially as a guy, like you probably feel like if I'm not with someone by a certain age, like how am I going to be with anyone? Like when I'm sixty, you know, twenty olds are not going to want to date me, are they? I'm not Mick Jagger or whatever. Yeah, especially I guess as you get to our age, where like a lot of my friends are married and started having kids, and then in my head I'm like. Oh, I can even be like weird Uncle Ryan. That like, you know, like with, my, with a quality, right? Yeah, like that. My friendship group have to like take it in turns to have me around for holidays. Like, you know, I just like I had vision. Like, I say, you, Neil, and Chris are all sat around, and it's like, don't forget, you're with him, Ryan, this Christmas. We're going away, and I was like, no, yeah, I just, have, yeah, just weird. Like the idea that everyone else around you, because as you get older, you see less of your friends. Like, you think about it at school, you see them every day, and then you hang out after school, and then teenagers, you make mates constantly, and then. You know, once you're working full time, married and got a kid, there's a lot less time for hanging out with your friends. So it's like, 
well, you know, you're busy taking the kids to school, and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna sit here and read Batman. And and, <laughs> and Ryan, do you want to, do you want to come to the kids' birthday party without your kid? Yeah, like it's then, not gonna happen, is it? You know, there's always the cliche of your marriage friends starting to hang out with other married couples because they can double date and things, and then you're just kind of like, oh, sat by yourself. Yeah, and I I, I think you know, men and women probably are like, well, am I gonna meet? Because everyone, everyone puts a time limit on their lives like especially women where they're like if i haven't had a kid by 30 i'm not gonna have a kid of course you can there's plenty of time but we we do pressure ourselves to almost live your life by the age of 25 like after 16 you've basically got 10 years to do everything because after that you're old yeah it's like you're not old like people live to 100 like can't have done anything by the time you're 30 you've got you know another 70 more years where you can do things well you've got like societal pressure and then i guess for women you've got more of a biological pressure yes. in the sense that they, they essentially do have a time limit for the most part and how long they can have kids uh, which doesn't apply to men but but i think after especially after the breakup we've all been there we've we've tried like maybe i should have kind of settled you know, were, were they really that bad and in china's case yes like he probably should have settled and given them a bit more of a chance and going oh we've got nostrils um I haven't, to be fair. Uh, I've only had two proper relationships. Uh, I ended one and my last ex ended the other. Um, I felt relief when I broke up with her. I was miserable. We were both miserable for like at least the last six months. Well, yeah. Well, no, that's different. Though. You, you, you didn't break up with them by going, she, uh, she chews with her mouth open. I broke up with her after six years. Like, you didn't do that, did you? Well, no. I mean, but, it wouldn't have got to six years if she ate <laughs> No. But, so that's what, but after any breakup, you are like, well... Am I going to meet someone? Like, it's not easy. I think it was something that I was worried about when I was younger, especially being a late bloomer. I was like, am I ever going to find anybody? But now I'm just kind of, I think I'm more relaxed about it. Yeah. Um, you're, 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 you're doing the George Clooney, aren't you? I mean, it sounds like a compliment. I'm just like, yeah. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to get older and uh, get more attractive and not have to worry about who you're married. And the, the tabloids were right. Oh, who's he going to marry? He's getting older. He's a silver fox, and then you do it about 60. Maybe. Uh, that sounds like a good plan to me, yeah. to be fair. Um, definitely, I was a, such a weird-looking teenager, so that, <laughs> that might be on track, to be yeah. fair. So, yeah, I, 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 I get it. Like, I think we've all been there and, and felt this way, like Chandler does. So I, I think it's fair to, to feel like this. And, yeah, it's, it is difficult meeting someone, uh, especially just, just even just meeting someone is tough, let alone someone who likes you back you like as well after a period of time and so on right i don't think i'd ever settle though um and it's not even a pride thing it's not a thing where i'm like i'm not gonna settle because i deserve better i wouldn't want the idea that someone settled for me would be like entirely heartbreaking the fact that they've built a life with me because it will do is you know yeah when i say settle i mean you have to look past no one's going to be perfect for you right Oh, yeah, I guess. There's a difference between settling because they're anyone and, well, you know, Ryan's got a beard. I can deal with that. And I guess maybe I'm an old romantic, but the idea that someone's built a life with me because it'll do or they couldn't get better. No, I, f- I think that's fine. It's like, oh, that's a... Uh... I, I wouldn't want to build a life with someone knowing that they'd done that or that I'd done Yeah, like, like, I, I think you're right there. But I guess what I'm saying, like... You're gonna have. There's gonna be a point in your life where you are with somewhere. You're like, well, they're not 100 percent perfect. They're gonna have flaws. Everyone's got flaws. Yeah, I mean, if I loved them, I'm, you know, fine. Yeah, but but, but yeah, you're right. You should you shouldn't settle just because you're hitting a time. Imagine time limit or something. Well, imagine like you would assume if you're settling, 
probably not going to work out because you're not as invested to stick around. So say you settle for 15 years, get married, have kids, and then, you know, on the 16th anniversary, you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Look at that trauma you've caused when you knew going in that, you know, 16 years ago, you knew it was she wasn't the right one. Yeah, exactly. No settling. Settling is bad, both for you and them. Yeah. Probably worse for them because they've got more investment to lose than you do. Yeah. But still. But Chandler has run off to leave Joey pondering language. And he's making a phone call. But who's he calling, Mark? Well, I guess we'll find out right after this ad break. <gasps> Anticipation. Oh, yes. That's what we need, isn't it? As I find <laughs> the little intros. Mark and I create this podcast in our own time, and we'd love to bring you more content. To do that, we need your support. Join the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. Our £5 tier, also available in dollars, will get you the ad-free version of the show, access to the exclusive content such as our episode all about James Michael Tyler, our top 10 rankings of everything from the best episodes to our favourite guest stars, and our exploration of all the weird and wonderful Friends merch, Friends Fest, and much more. And beginning at the end of January, Mark and I will delve into the fantastic spin-off series, Joey, only available to patrons, help shape the future of our content with access to our Patreon polls, we're there for you. Be there for us and the rest of the Watching Friends community at patreon.com forward slash watching friends. <laughs> and we're back, folks, with another episode of Nasty Labs. Nasty Labs. It's a show hosted by me, Kinsey Burke, and my dumbass friend, Mark. Nasty Labs. This twice-monthly show about game development, Japan life, being nice to people, and hey, maybe a few other things. Nasty, Nasty Labs, Labs is a product of Chuhai Labs Brand Incorporated, and now available for three easy payments of four twenty sixty nine, only on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey Lassie, what are you doing here? Timmy's in a well. Sequelcast 2 and Friends is a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time, like Harry Potter, Hellraiser, and The Hobbit. And sometimes the hosts talk about video games and TV as well. And now it's part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Oh, Lassie, we don't need to rescue Timmy. He likes the well well enough, I guess. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Lassie, I told you to lay off the spoilers. Right, so I'm going to have a tangent here, Mark. Hang on, I haven't answered the question yet. Oh, no. But it's is, isn't, that, isn't that how you do an ad break? You have like a, a sting of like, oh, what's going to happen next? And then they answer it. It would be. And I was like, oh, anticipation. But thinking about it, we've all seen this episode dozens of times. So it's not really that. <laughs> There's no real anticipation. We've all seen the episode. But it, it's very, very full of it because our little advert break jingles that we play, I forget. That they're not in actual episodes of Friends. <laughs> so I'll be watching Friends and I'm like, where's that deal, 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 And I'm waiting for it to come up in the episode and it doesn't. So I'm going to have to go in and edit it into an episode of Friends. Just so everyone and then I can watch it. And then, like, you know, when, you know, I take the Rachel, deal, 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 deal. And I'm like, yay! Because <laughs> I forget that it's not actually in the show. So, so when we have like one of those scenes where they just break away for two seconds to show nothing... We should just have a bit that goes, Ryan's tangents, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I've said to people that like, we'll, we'll be in mid-episode and we'll pause for it and I'll go make a cup of tea. And I'll walk to the kettle humming the jingles. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't remember the name of the chap who made them for us, um, which is terrible. Um, but he did a very good job. He did, yeah. Uh, 
uh, I made sure that we got something that was very friend sounding but wasn't friends. <laughs> it was legally safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's you just uh, every night just sing it to yourself. Okay, I do all the time. <laughs> Maybe our listeners out there do it. I don't know. Maybe we should turn it into our ringtones. Be great. Anyway, <laughs> so anticipation. <laughs> Who did Chandler call? Who do you think he called? I mean, he's, he's got plenty of women to, right? There's only one woman you can call in a situation like this. There is. Uh, we're going to call her Janice. Oh, my God. Yeah, you need to work on your own, Michael. I'm not even going to try and... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was more like some mix of... Look at yeah. Up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Chandler called Janice, um, which is... Not surprised. Well, given that we've seen our friends many times, it's not surprising you call Janice. But you know, no, he's he's done it loads of times, hasn't he? Like, I'm sure she's on speed dial one. Yeah, but Janice arrives, and she's pregnant. That was quick. Yep. I mean, oh my god! Look, literally, she's pregnant. Everyone probably thought, "Is it Chandler's?" That's what I thought. I was like, oh my God, Chandler got Janice pregnant. Oh, that, that, there should have been a Joey joke there where he's like, Chandler, didn't know you had it in you. Yeah. But no, Janice is now married and Chandler wants to know why she couldn't have shared this news over the phone. And Janice explains that she didn't want to miss the look on Chandler's face. I have questions. We, I, need, I now need to go back to figure out the timeline of when Chandler and Janice last dated. Because it would have been before Ben. Yep. Just about. So how much time has passed? Probably not that much. I guess. I mean, I suppose it's, it's, it's like the, the cliche man panic, isn't it? Of like, woman walks in that you slept with. She's got a baby. Oh, it's mine. Like you just freak out. Even if the mass is way off, your instinct would just be like, whoa. It's not even that. It's the fact that she's also married as well. Like, how long was she with this guy? Like, hey, Mark, when you know. You know, Do you? I don't know. I've never. I don't know. I'm not married, but I assume from from what rom coms and Meg Ryan tells me, when you meet the one, you meet the one. Because at the moment, the the timeline gets a bit weird, especially in the next episode, which is uh, featuring Ben a lot. Ben is meant to be a baby, yet he clearly looks like a three year old toddler. Yes. So I I don't know what what time like how much time has passed. Normally we can get an idea where they go. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, or you know, when I was last dating whoever, or. The birth of Ben and stuff. Yeah, time moves in Friends in the way the writers need it to move. And that's about it. Because I like to think of Friends literally being a weekly show where like, oh, this is this week's adventures and a week has passed. But sometimes it's days have passed and sometimes it's months have passed. Yeah, sometimes hours. Yeah. But I mean, well, look, at, look at general life week to week. I don't think I have a boring life, but it definitely isn't weekly worth of weekly highlights. <laughs> no. I mean, look at last episode. <laughs> How you been, Ryan? I was like, yeah, fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Nothing has happened in the past week. Yeah, so it's it would be interesting to find out like how quickly she met this guy, got married, got pregnant. Was it an accident? Did they get married because she is pregnant? Yeah, who knows? Now who's overthinking bits of the episode? It needs to be thought about. It does. It does. Well, this makes me like Janice even more. The fact that she could have given him this news over the phone, but chose not to. She, 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 chose, to, out. she chose to travel across Manhattan <laughs> To go and meet him face to face, just to say it. Yeah, it, I think that's funny. It makes me like Janice more. Yep. Like, I don't. I'm not gonna say that Chandler and Janice should be together, like I have with, you know, Julie and Ross and David and Phoebe, and the greatest couple in Friends history, Celtics Lady and Joey. But I like Janice. I would happily have more Janice, but then it would ruin Janice. 
Well, this is almost writing her out of the show, but she appears a lot over the next few series. She does. I think it's she's so... And and as a romantic interest, not as a, oh, you're married and have a child, I shouldn't go near that. I think it's the case, one of the things where the, the audience always react well to Janice. Like, whenever you see Janice, it, it's, she's got a catchphrase. She's, she's a great kind of, I guess, piece of the sitcom puzzle to have. Um, and then... I would assume the actors and the writers liked her and got on with her and, you know, thought Megan yeah. really was cool. And I would, I imagine when you make a TV show, there are just certain people that you will bend over backwards to write back into the show just because you like them. Which is nice. But, you know, we get over the uh, dramatic engagement, marriage and pregnancy of Janice. And we're back at the evening and Rachel is enjoying her tacky heckles lamp. Um, Monica, not so much. Uh, Rachel's reading a book. And I don't know what it is about the scene, but I'm always like, ah, oh. there's something adorable about her sat on a little chair reading a book with a tacky lamp. Till you find out what the book is. What is the book, Mark? I don't know, but I am assuming this is a romantic book of some kind. And she has to be careful of her burning loins. <laughs> the throbbing pens. Yes. <laughs> I forget that Rachel likes uh, smart books. Yeah. Yeah. But still. But Ross arrives. It completely ruins the nice, serene Rachel reading a book. And you've got a giant briefcase. Phoebe calls him Angry Scientist Man. I'd I like the, 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 the line in that, like, Angry Scientist Man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a briefcase, Mark, full of fossils. Nice. I don't think Ross is allowed to take those. Well, he's not so sure later on. But yeah, if, if you came in and was like, Mark, I've got a briefcase full of fossils here, but like, I want to touch those. But as your brain went down a a rabbit hole of Janice's husband and where did he come from and the baby. My brain did this with Ross. Okay. And I was like, wait, maybe Ross's super levels of sway at work. Is Ross cool at work? Is he popular? Is he like the funds of the museum? I'm like, how, how did you go down that rabbit hole? My thinking is he works at the museum. He has access to the museum doors. He just took some stuff. The end. I don't know, but in my brain, I was like, this is really weird. I can't imagine Ross being cool, but it kind of frightens me. But Ross is known as the cool one at work, isn't he, though? I guess. But it, at this point, I was just like, oh, he's got those. Mate, you're not going to sneak them out. The security, like, he's got that briefcase is clearly designed to carry them. I, I bet there isn't at the museum because he's in restricted areas all the time, whatever. He probably just wanders out but with whatever he wants. That's what you put security. You don't put security where there's things you can't steal. You put security where there's things you are stealing. Yeah, but you would trust Ross. He's meant to be a trusted employee. It's, it's not like working at a, a popular video game retailer where every time you leave after work, they pat you down and <laughs> put a metal detector over you to make sure you're not selling any video games. Yep. Like, I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's fine for him to go around and be trusted not to steal fossils. Uh, random tangent about that place you just mentioned. Uh, I'm directly responsible for an LP measure they put in place. Maybe we should save this for the Patreon. Yeah, I will explain to you why staff at that place can no longer have gift cards uh, <laughs> on the Patreon. But I'm got literally the reason that no other employers can use gift cards. Well, yep. So join our Patreon. There's, there's some uh, exclusive Ryan tangents there. We, maybe it's just a weekly segment, Ryan's tangents. I will slightly spoil that. I didn't do anything illegal. It was just a conversation I had with the head of LP. Oh, is, is this in case the police don't want to pay yeah, like, for our Patreon? I wasn't caught doing anything wrong. I just had an observation or a conversation. Um, but it was quite funny. Right. It would jolt in a change. Right, we'll come back to that later then. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I just like, you can't just take them, Ross. 
No, you can't, but he's not thinking. He's like, I need to prove a point. I'm just going to take the stuff I have at work that's on my desk, I assume, to put me in a briefcase, uh, not a nice one that fits everything nicely. Because that behavior seems so not Ross, that's when my brain went down the tangent of has Ross got super sway at work? And it's just like, hey, guys, I'm going to take some fossils home. And everyone was like, okay, Ross, is he allowed to? Is he studying? No, I, I think they were just on his desk and he's just put me in a briefcase and wandered off and no one, <laughs> no one knows they're gone. Fair, fair as, point. As we learn later with what he gives Rachel... Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I love the idea that right, it's such a Rachel thing to do. Kind of spoilers with you, just I'll just have that. <laughs> yeah. It will come with me. Yeah. I mean, you probably would just assume it was a prop. Yep. Well, you know, it wouldn't be real. Um, but then Phoebe schools Ross on how scientific theory works, and it's basically a knockout blow. There's there's no retort that Ross can make. Um, yeah, it just she basically says that they believe. You know what we mentioned earlier. We believe the. Atom was the smallest thing. Well, why don't we hear her? Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh-oh, it's Scary Scientist Man. <laughs> okay, Phoebe, this is it. In this briefcase, I carry actual scientific facts. A briefcase of facts, if you will. Some of these fossils are over 200 million years old. Okay, look, before you even start, I'm not denying evolution, okay? I'm just saying that it's one of the possibilities. It's the only possibility, Phoebe. Okay. Ross, could you just open your mind like this much? Okay? Now, wasn't there a time when the brightest minds in the world believed that the Earth was flat? And up until, like, what, 50 years ago, you all thought the atom was the smallest thing until you split it open and this, like, whole mess of crap came out. Now... Are you telling me that you are so unbelievably arrogant that you can't admit that there's a teeny tiny possibility that you could be wrong about this? There might be a teeny tiny possibility. I can't believe you caved. <laughs> what? You just abandoned your whole belief system. Mm. No, I mean, before I, I didn't agree with you, but at least I respected you. But... No, how, how, how are you going to go into work tomorrow? Oh. How, how are you going to face the other science guys? How, how are you going to face yourself? Oh. The smirk on her face at the end there. She knows exactly what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Now, Ross is in uh, between a rock and a hard place here. Because on the one hand, as a scientist, he has to question everything. So he's always going to say, well, yes, I'm never going to say anything is 100% fact. Because there is always, always a small possibility there could be something that we find out that changes everything. Yeah? Yep. And then she's also gone, are you that arrogant that you can't possibly change your mind on this. And no one's going to go, yes, I'm that arrogant. No, you're not. So what, he, he can never win that argument, and she knows that. Yeah. And yeah. it's absolutely perfect. I, I love it. It is great. It's, it's very un-Phoebe-ish. No, no, I think it's definitely Phoebe. She loves to mess with people, and she loves to, to basically get them to, to dig their own grave. I guess I, don't, I think like the the aggressiveness doesn't seem overly Phoebe to me. She's normally you know. No, I, I th she does this quite a few times, where she she likes to bring people down a peg or two, 
and she she does it in a way where she's not being horrible or rude. She she lets them kind of do it, but she she puts them into situations where they can't win. I mean, she's also wrong. At no point did we think the Earth was flat. No, more people think the Earth's flat now than ever did throughout history, which is embarrassing. Like we've always known it was round. The Greeks knew it was round. Like ancient. well, I, I I guess there was a point in time before that where people just assumed it's flat, right? And it's not documented anywhere. Like you've got like ancient... no, but you would assume they're not going to think it's a sphere because. You're on the ground and it looks flat. You're going to think everything's just flat. The Egyptians knew it was round. Okay. Like, I would imagine that and humanity probably worked out it was round at the same time we started bother asking the question. Yes. But before that point, you wouldn't. You were too busy trying to dodge a mammoth to, <laughs> to care what shape the thing you were on was on. But, yeah, it's this weird, like, modern misconception that humanity thought the Earth was flat because we didn't. And like more people do now, which is so embarrassing. Yep. So embarrassing for us. Yeah, yeah considering the tech and... Proof that we have out there. We have photos. Yeah. I mean, we, we could do a whole spin-off on Flat Earth theory, it, and, and but we yeah, won't. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if you had the, the money, you could go up right now and take a look for yourself. It just, oh, it's painful. That, this is what I turned to Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Watching a Flat Earth documentary, and I'm like, no! So, but, you know, I, that smoke at the end, no, she knows that he's right. He he does correct her with some little bits and pieces here, which is like, oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, so fair enough, uh, but you know she she goes in for the killer blow and just destroys him. So Ross Ross needs that every once in a while, I think he does. I also understand how Ross missed that she was winding him up because that smirk would have been like, ah, uh, like you need to poke a face. Like, yeah, I'd have been like, oh you ass. I think that was her corpse in, which is where she uh, cut breaks character basically and and starts laughing at the situation. I've been watching too many wrestling documentaries because I was like, yeah, breaks kayfabe. <laughs> I was like, no one knows what that means unless they're a massive wrestling nerd. Um, but it's very funny how he storms off. Like, just, like you said, the way she just tears it with like, how are you going to look at yourself? <laughs> it's just it's torturing poor Ross. Well, it's because he knows he's right or thinks he's right and he she's just destroyed him in such a way where he can't come back from it. Yeah, he's trapped in his own logic essentially. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, but then the girls decide to go out after Phoebe's finished having her fun at Ross's expense. And as Monica puts on her jacket, she breaks the tacky lamp and I mean, claims it was an accident. I mean, don't leave it on like the edge of a table if you're worried it's going to break and fall. Do you believe, Monica, it was an accident? I think it was an accident. One thing I was really impressed with in this scene is that Monica, or Courtney Cox, actually manages to act as if it's, as it, perform as if it's an accident. Despite the fact that the entire action she's doing hinges on her knocking the lamp off. Yep. And I, I we rounded it about four times looking for like a, a tell that she was deliberately doing it. And the whole thing so well done is if you didn't know it was supposed to happen, it would look like an accident, yeah. which is insane to me. I'm like, very well done, Courtney Cox. I, I don't think Monica would break something like that on purpose. Because mm, one, it's going to create a mess. I think she would. But she's Monica. So if she was going to deliberately break the tacky lamp, it would be when Rachel wasn't home. So she could break it, get rid of the evidence, essentially, and be like, oh, fabricate a really terrible story because she was terrible, terrible liars. I think she'd do it and then make an excuse. Um, or, you know, try and pin it on Joey. Be like, Joey yeah, threw a football. The fact that she does it while she's announced, I'm like, no, I believe that it was an accident, even though it is a tacky lamp. But Rachel is upset. And just not believe her? I think that's fair. Like, we've all had this with friends where something's happened and you're like, well, I knew you didn't like it, so clearly you did do that. It's like, even if they're innocent, you, you, don't, you can't believe them because you know how they feel about things. Yeah. 
I mean, I think in our in our friendship group, we'll be playing a co-op game, and someone in the group will get bored of the game we're playing and deliberately sabotage stuff. Yep. There have been times when you and Neil have made me play Left 4 Dead, and I've accidentally shot an explosive canister that's too near you. Or you say these people's names, but none of our audience know who these people are. They don't. <laughs> Friends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's been times where I've deliberately, or like you know, oh no, I'm bored of whatever it is we're currently doing. Mm. I'll find a way to end it. Or, you know, you're throwing a game or something just to stop doing it. Yeah. But fair. But Chandler comes in and Rachel's all upset and tells him about Monica breaking the seashell lamp. And then Chandler carries his concern, or more like a fact now, a statement of fact that he's going to die alone. Yeah, I think we've all been there too. At some point, just like, nope, never going to happen again. No one wants me. No one loves me. No one cares. I don't think I've ever been that so bleakly pessimistic. Maybe I don't care. (laughs) I don't know. I don't feel lonely. Maybe I don't care. Maybe because you have lots of friends. Maybe. Maybe this podcast is why I'm not scared of dying <laughs> yeah. alone because I can go out clutching this microphone. Because also, you know, Chandler is, you know, he's used to seeing Joey pick up women daily, multiples daily. It probably does, like, bring you down a little bit. I guess. But this got me thinking that I'd probably rather die alone. I don't want to live alone because, you know, that's sad. But I think I'd rather die alone, like actually die alone. Oh, don't don't we all die alone, Ryan? No. Sometimes you die right next to people you care about, and they have to they have to remember that first of their lives. Like, imagine like I don't know, I'm making a cup of tea because let's face it, I'm probably gonna die near a kettle. And you know, you come in the house, you're like, hi Ryan, or it's not my daughter or you know wife or whoever, and they walk in, and then I've got like a teaspoon with one hand and a tea bag on my face, lying <laughs> 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 across the kitchen countertop. Because that's it, horrific. Well, here you put. You know, I once had you die alone so my loved ones don't have to find me. Yeah. And I can just imagine you in a, a cabin in the woods somewhere just, like, hung yourself. I meant, like, my body. <laughs> not, like, never know where I am and yeah. think I've gone missing. I just meant that I have to discover the body. You know, some random person can find me and that way none of my loved ones have to have that memory. Like, oh, <laughs> he yeah. died doing what he loved. <laughs> like, I've even put in my notes here, I found Grandad dead, still clutching the teapot. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, like, who wants that memory? Who wants to, you know? Uh, hang on, hang on. We, we need to explain that. So that's an actual thing that happened to you. What? No, as in... Oh, we... No, as in, I'm saying, like, well, I'm, I imagined that one of my, my grandchildren would walk oh, okay. in and, and have the memory of... I found my granddad dead. He was still like, you know, it's me. Or, you know, Ryan died with a comic on his face or whatever. Like, I don't what, want... My... Watching blimps. Yeah. Like, I don't want... Like, I wouldn't want one of my loved ones to have to have that awful experience of discovering my dead body, basically. Okay. So, you know, I'd much rather go out on the bus where it's like, run, oh, man, that old man died. That'd be much better because you care. Well, not that who cares, but I don't know that person. They yeah. have, they're just like, oh, I remember I was there when a dude died on a bus. It's not as a traumatic experience as finding a loved one dead. Yeah, we, we need some psychologists <laughs> to listen to these podcasts. I'm sure there's all sorts of things going on in your head. <laughs> Why would you want a loved one to find your no, corpse? No, that's fair. Because you're already gone. Like, the, you being dead is not any more or less sad if they do or don't yeah. find your body. If you want that memory, that's weird. Oh, I can't wait to find my granddad dead. That's a weird thing to think. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, think, I think maybe when it's time for you to go, Ryan, you find a cliff. Yeah, I don't want to wait, be wait for the tide to be in. Like, I won't be lying in a bed with everyone stood around me all expectantly because you're all going to be looking at your watch thinking, Jesus Christ, <laughs> when's he going to go? <laughs> <laughs> as they, as they, they find the anime boobs yeah, under the bed. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, sweet and lows all over <laughs> the place. He spent £175 on these. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I, I've been present when family members have passed and it 
it didn't help anything. No, no, I think that's fair. It was it was nothing more obscene. No, I I feel like the way we deal with with animals, um, putting them to sleep is it's probably like the humane way for us as well. Except for we don't do that. We're like, no, you can't, you know, tell when your time is your time. Instead, you must suffer, and you must make everyone watch you slowly suffer. Instead of going right, I'm gonna go out now. Bye. Yeah, I do find it funny that it's against the law to kill yourself because if you don't succeed, they can't convict you because you've not done it. And if you do, who's wasting the time prosecuting you? You dead? <laughs> Such a weird law. Yeah. Yeah, just odd. But Chan and the gang have a nice chat. What's that gang? It's Chan and the girls, really, isn't it? Yeah. Have a nice chat about how he's not going to end up alone. And he explains that Janice was his safety net, which... He should have got a backup for his backup. No, I shouted at the TV. <laughs> What an awful way to think of someone. Bad Chandler. Yeah, I, as in like, I hope they stay single in case I fail at finding someone. I just meant that you're basically saying this person will do... It's like we were kind of yeah, touched yeah, on yeah. earlier. The idea that you would... I mean, you just made it even worse by basically saying, oh, I hope this person's miserable and alone. So that when I'm miserable and alone and eventually give up hope, I can <laughs> yeah, they're, they're. claim them. Like, no. It's a horrible way to think. Very selfish Chandler and it's naughty. I think that's fair. I don't approve. But Chandler thinks he needs a snake. I'm going to die alone. Okay, you win. Chandler, you are not going to die alone. Janice was my safety net, okay? And now I have to get a snake. Uh-huh. Why is that? If I'm going to be an old, lonely man, I'm going to need a thing, you know? A hook. Like that guy in the subway who eats his own face. So I figure I'll be crazy man with a snake. You know, crazy snake man. Then I'll get more snakes, call them my babies. Kids will walk past my place. They will run. Run away from crazy snake man. Now, chef. Uh, you've got to get over this, okay? You're not going to end up alone. Of course I am. I reject anyone who's crazy enough to actually go out with me, and then I bitch about the fact that there aren't any great women out there. Well... Yeah, I, I guess like if he was a bit older, he could feel like this. But at 25 or whatever age he is. Well, it's a tough one because like, I guess fundamentally you have to try and work out is there a deeper reason that Chandler's rejecting these women for, for such minute flaws? Mm. And I would argue, yeah, he's a massive fear of commitment based on his parents' relationship. Okay, you're going quite deep with this. Well, someone's nostril size is a ridiculous reason to break up with them. But to me, it represents something deeper that every time Chandler starts to develop feelings, he runs away. Yeah, and we, we do touch on this, uh, his lack of commitment, don't we, in, in later episodes? Yeah, it's, it's touched on in this episode. Yeah. Um, after this conversation, um, the girls kind of reassure him um, and basically say, you know, you're fine, you're, you know what you want, you're ready to make a commitment. And Chandler's like, ah, and gets out the chair and runs off. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, it's touched on straight away. So clearly he's... He's just scared of commitment, and if he gets over that, suddenly, you know, nostrils aren't going to be an issue. Yeah, he's, he's probably just, like, a little bit depressed at the situation and stuff, and he, he needs Joey to take him to the strip club, and he'll feel better about himself again. I've never been to a strip club, but I don't imagine it would make me feel better about anything. I don't think it would either. Like, I, think, I think in some ways it would probably make you feel worse. I don't see the point. You'd be like, ah, oh, so there's attractive women here who only want me for money, and then as soon as I run out of money... 
Yeah, first stuff, I'm far too neurotic to deal with that yeah. like, concept in general. And also, and also, you know, they're only going to dance for me on a stage a few feet away. I mean... <laughs> what am I getting for my, my money? Essentially, yeah, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head, <laughs> I guess. Like, what what is the point? Um, other than, you know, funding their, you know, the American cliche, funding their college education. Yeah. There's... Well, I don't understand the appeal. No. And no, we were, when we were in New York, the idea was floated of going to a strip club, and I was like, "Well, not really." Plus, my girlfriend's four blocks away. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it depends on the country, right? Like, so, so British strip clubs are different to Americans. Like in in the UK, they're kind of seen as like seedy and dark, dank places where like lonely men go to. Whereas America, it seems more of a place for men to hang out, maybe have some wings while some attractive women dance nearby. Yeah, like, got, still, still CD, but in a more entertainmenty sort of way. Yeah, like a tongue-in-cheek party vibe, I guess. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it's very much creepy old men touching themselves. And yeah, you wouldn't go there with your friend, friends. It would just be you're going there by yourself to whatever. Yeah, I don't see the point. No, at all. So no, no strip club for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, but. Uh, I, 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 if we ever uh, have a bachelor party for you, uh, we, we can get you a stripper. Uh, it might be a very famous American actor <laughs> in a police <laughs> the costume. Long arm of the law. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the best we could do. Again, that's weird. Like, especially in today's like, day and age. Imagine, like, hi, person on the phone. I'm going to pay you to come to our apartment and take your clothes off. It's like, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I pay when I could go on Tinder? Yeah, essentially. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand the stripping in the. Well, I, I think we need to save this for for that episode because that's going to be a funny one. Yeah, it will be. Um, yeah, creepy. Gives me the willies. I don't like it. Ugh. But the gang finally finish cleaning Mister Heckle's apartment, and Chandler enters and tells the whole gang that he's got a date with a lady from work who he'd been putting off asking out because she's got an unusually large head. I want to see how large this head is. I mean, we, we do get to see how large her head is, but only from the back. Yeah, I, I, you know, people have different size heads. It's fine. I mean, again, it's just why ask some. What I find weird about Channel is that he'll spot flaws in people that he doesn't like, and then continues to go out with them anyway. It's like he's yeah. setting himself up for failure. Yeah, surely you go. Well, no, I don't want to ask ask her out because I'm not attracted to her because of her unusually large head. Like in the modern world, I guess you know we have dating apps, and you you get the kind of. Do they look like their picture? The, the filtered look, yeah. Like how, how, when was this photo taken and how, how do they differ? Um, for instance, if you were to match me on any dating apps right now, in none of my photos have I got a beard. There's a bit of stubble, but there's, there's nothing like the beard that I'm, I've currently got. To the point where I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't recognise me when I was waiting for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Especially if you have your beanie on, they'll be like, why is that uh, homeless man there who looks like he's going <laughs> to offer me some drugs walking over to me? There's Jay, where's Silent Bob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's a dating's weird. So why you would deliberately choose to date someone? So I went on a date with a girl who hated beards, and she had no idea I had a beard because my profile didn't, and then she rocks up and there's a beard. You know, it would I know lots of women who have done that. And they go, and they tell the guy, I don't like the beard, you need to shave it off. No. And it goes one of two ways. Yeah, it would go, bye-bye. Well, it, well, it goes one of three ways. It, it, either the beard goes, they put up with the beard, or it doesn't work out. It's just a weird thing to, to say. To, oh, I don't like your beard. Like, well, what do you, mean you don't like my beard? Yeah, I, I could understand that. Such a shallow reason to not date someone. It's a very messy beard today. 
it, it does need a good trim, to be fair. But I've not been pampered, so I'm not going. No, you need to join our Patreon and and uh, support us with some money so Brian can afford some scissors. Yeah, well, for some context, listeners, I never used to have a beard at all. Um, I hated I hate shaving. It's boring and just takes up time. I could spend doing other things. So I would basically normally would just be let my fresh hair grow to the point where it was annoying me, and then I would just get the the like strimmer strimmer strimmer. I'm not a hedge. The trimmers out <laughs> and shave it all off. It would go from like wild man of Borneo to nothing and rinse and repeat. And then last time, basically it was a lockdown and being stuck inside. I didn't need to worry about what I looked like because I wasn't seeing anyone aside from you know like Webex calls and stuff. So it kind of became a substantial bush on my face and then i decided you know what what do i look over beard so i went to a fancy pantsy salon to have my beard like trimmed and shaped and i liked how it looked it you know i thought oh, this looks nice uh and then i basically kept at it but because it's like 20 quid a time to get it done i only go every now and then so i've basically gone from wild man of borneo to nothing to wild man of borneo to you know neat ryan and normally i'll be honest the trim coincides with dates <laughs> so you do realise you have to tidy up, I guess. Yeah, so if you ever meet me, depending on how bushy my beard is, you know how long it's been since I had a date. <laughs> if I turn up neat, it's like, yeah, I had a date. If I turn up and, you know. So, so ladies, if you are out there looking for Ryan, you can tell if he's single or not based on his beard. Yeah, we still haven't had any marriage proposals for me. No, we haven't. You, you know, Men, women, write in. Yeah, I need to get married. Ryan is... Getting more more Chandler by the day. Mark wants to buy a hat, so <laughs> yes. we need to have a win. Yes. Uh, well, we're running at two hours long now, so so let's let's get to the end. We talk a lot. <laughs> we <laughs> we. <laughs> well, so Chandler opts to keep Mister Heckles' yearbook and says goodbye to Mister Heckles as he leaves the apartment, and that's actually super cute. That is nice. Like it's 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 really tough getting rid of other people's stuff when they passed away because you're like this meant something to them. And it doesn't mean anything to me, but putting it in the bin or giving it away or sending it away just kind of feels wrong. Yes, I mean, to me, it's this its nice little... They didn't really know Mr. Heckles. They didn't like Mr. Heckles. But at the same time, there's a fundamental respect for the fact that the man lived, he had a life, and, you know, he, at some point he had he touched people's lives and had a positive influence on the world. He may have been a grumpy old git. At, at the end, but yeah, like, this is part of your fan fiction. Like, what was Mr. Heckles like when he was 20? Like, he sounds like a normal guy, right? Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's just nice, like, you know, you might... I had a neighbour similar to Mr. Heckles once, and when he passed away, the whole road nearly threw a pie, to be honest. But it, it was still, like, you know, sort of that, like, that tragic bit of, I guess, human sentiment in you that's like, oh, it's sad that this person's gone. Because, you know, they did live a life. I hope that you finish your life ending up more like Ross and not like a Mr. Heckles. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I wasn't really aware that I was going down the Mr. Heckles route. I didn't realise I was at Hermit Junction. But yeah, I think like most people would rather end their life married to the girl of their dreams with a kid than, you know. Well, he's not married to the girl of his dreams. They get married. Oh yeah, Ross and Rachel don't get married. Like That's part of your fan fiction again. Like They moved to Paris together. Although apparently Jennifer Aniston has said that after the series, Ross and Rachel had another child. Okay, is that to replace Ben? <laughs> well, you, you know, you lose one. You got because you know if he moves to to Paris with with Rachel and and first child, I feel sorry for Ben in all this. I don't know how a New Yorker would cope moving to Paris. Yeah, like the language barrier is one thing, right? But the the way like the the French 
I don't know. Paris is kind of similar to New York in some ways in that, yes, it's a big city, but it's a different pace of life, though, I guess. Yeah, I mean, stuff closes at what the British would consider a reasonable time. Yeah. Whereas New York never shuts. Um, an American friend of mine came over to the UK for the first time and they went out and did stuff. And then it was like half 10 at night and they're on the train. And she's like, oh, well, we, I wasn't there, but I was told the story. And like, oh, we'll go get something to eat. And uh, the English people were like, it's half ten. She was like, yeah, exactly. We'll, you know, we'll get supper. And they were like, uh-uh, everywhere's shut. Like, yeah. <laughs> like everywhere's closed. And like this guy was just like, I'm absolutely like, what? How in the world? Like it's only half ten. There was like complete culture shock. She's yeah. been living in New York for years, and now it's like, yep, you are uh, England closes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you. I hope you end up a Ross with three divorces, a kid that uh, we don't know what happened to him, and uh, another kid that uh, hopefully you can look after. I mean, you know, I've I've got the lesbian ex, so um, you're, you know, you're well on there. You're you know you're 20 years behind, but you're on the same track, yeah. stopping at every stop. You know, lesbian ex. You know, just need a kid. Yep, I wasn't very class clown. I don't play the clarinet, so you know, I'm definitely going down the Ross path so yeah. far. No, unless you have a sudden divergence, who knows? Can't wait to see where we are in five years' time. Who knows? Uh, but you know, at the very end of this, we do get a peek at Chandler's date, though, don't we? Yep, and he's right. She does have an illusionally large head. Mostly because the camera's like right up in it. But I feel like it's just a giant like Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I like this episode. I, I think it touches on a lot of feelings most people in their lives have at some point. That, yeah, you know, it's quite that, relatable. That they're you know going to be single and alone. Um, sad Mr. Heckles is now gone. Maybe he's a joke that, that would have become a bit too much. I guess maybe you just started feeling more sorry for him or you've just been bored of seeing him maybe. But if every character has, has a moment in this. Like, you know, we have such a funny moment with Phoebe and Ross. Mm-hmm. Phoebe's always great when she's like getting one over someone. Ross, you know, being a bit of an idiot again. Yeah, great. Yep. Uh, Monica and Rachel. Their little thing is not so great. We do have some great moments though with the... TV magnifying glass, which is such a weird thing. Yeah, I forgot they existed <laughs> yeah. until I realized the episode. I was like, oh yeah, for like, you know, old people. Yeah. And, you know, TVs back then were quite small. Yeah. Rather than our 77 inch OLEDs that we have on our walls. Yeah, can you imagine when TV first came out? You went, look at this giant OLED panel. You're <laughs> yeah. Like, what the? Yeah. Can you even power the thing, to be fair? Uh, and yeah, Monica, especially standing behind it, like she must have known. Like, come on, no one just stands there. Yeah, as, yeah. as her crutch is uh, magnified. Especially given that it's been highlighted by Joey previously, as you know, look what this is. Ha, ha. Like, I, I, I do like the way she goes, it's not that big. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a gross joke like, what's when you start thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, 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 it's a funny episode. I, I really like it. There's, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. I think that's the end of it. We've been going on for over two hours now. I mean, to be fair, we did have like a giant middle section where we discussed. We? Yeah, we? we it's our podcast, so you're getting blamed too. Uh, <laughs> where we discussed, you know, religion and theology we did, and science. Yes. There's a big, probably like 15 minute tangent that if you don't hear it, we need to be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed another episode from us. And we'll be back next week. Yeah, we, we've got some socials. We've, we've mentioned them throughout. You can, you can write to us, right? Yeah, you know yeah, where we yeah, are. Yeah, we're going to end this now so you can get on to better things or the, the next episode, perhaps, which I think is going to be a very good one. 
Yes, it is a great episode, to be fair. Again, another one of these episodes where my brain doesn't realise it's so early in the, the run of the show. Yep. So, until next week. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Cheerio.